have I got a story for you. Something was wrong. She just didn't know what. Feelings and thoughts that weren't supposed to be there and couldn't be explained or medicated away just kept creeping in. Bad, painful, dangerous thoughts. Would this be how life would be? No. Today's guest was much too tough for that. She decided to lean into her diagnosis and is empowering others to do the same. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is what, our faithful listeners? The cute, quaint corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merch you had no idea existed because AndrePsyche.com has been nestled away in the northwest part of the internet. Let me give you a little preview of the plethora of potential purchases available for your perusal. We're talking literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry, or any custom gift that your sweet soul desires. Andre, after all, is a freelance creator extraordinaire. So go to andrepsyche.com and see what speaks to you, because each and every item has a story behind it. Nothing is made. Everything is created on andrepsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Do us a favor. We need and appreciate your support. Take a moment right now and push the subscribe button on Apple or Spotify or whatever app you are listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. And while you're at it, if you have the time, and we all know you do, rate and review the pod, especially on Apple. We know what you're thinking. How else can I support the Getting to Know You pod? Thanks for thinking of that. You can go to our Patreon and search Getting, the number two, no, the letter U, pod, and become a subscriber. You can also friend and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's Getting to Know You Pod. Again, all one word. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast is downloaded in over 45 countries at this point and the majority of states in America. Please. If you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, as long as it's appropriate, just message us. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Michelle. And Michelle is coming to us from, actually I didn't ask before we, are you in New York City currently? Yes, I am in New York City. Okay, so she is coming to us from New York City. Thank you, Michelle, for uh, taking some time, letting everybody get to know you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, And I don't know how to jump into it other than your IG handle, which is how I came across you. And I watched one of your YouTube videos um, with... And shit, I'm so clunky with stuff. And it's perfectly fine to curse because I curse a lot when I think out loud. You have a YouTube, would you call it not YouTube podcast, a YouTube video channel with three episodes? I, 
Yeah. Okay. However you want to call it. There's you, there's another girl. And it was like the video I watched was seven things to never ask a schizophrenic. And you were like mocking these people. And my favorite one was like, are you a schizophrenic? Cause you smoke weed. <laughs> And I, was I know, like, that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. I was like, so many more people smoke weed than are schizophrenic. So like, <laughs> like the cause. definitely like that doesn't, that's not making you like, no. But I mean, there are people who are like, well, there's connections. Like, I'm like, of course there's connections. Of course there's right. connections to anything. But no like. Vaccines probably. Like, silly, like kind of answer. Like, okay. Drugs call can cause psychosis. Duh. Everybody knows drugs can cause psychosis. Right. All drugs can cause psychosis. No doubt. Like, but, whatever. So that was kind of, I had seen your IG with schizophrenic. It's NYC schizof, dot schizophrenic or schizophrenic dot NYC. Schizophrenic dot NYC. Okay. And I just, I liked how it seemed you just took charge. Like you took ownership. You, you, you seemed very empowered. So I think I was pestering you a ton to like come on to kind of talk about it and have a conversation because I've never... I don't know. I hadn't come across someone who seemed to just embrace something where I feel most people would feel stigmatized by it, would feel paralyzed, would feel like almost ashamed. And if I say any terrible words, you're more than welcome to slap me because I really don't mean to okay. offend. I'm just kind of thinking out loud about it. Um, gotcha. I, it, it was super, uh, it was super empowering to me, super inspirational. And I just wanted to get to know more about you and how you got to that point, if it always been like this easy to be that outgoing with it. Oh, it definitely hasn't been always this easy to be that outgoing. Well, I mean, I was diagnosed with bipolar at 18, schizophrenia at 22, and then I told everybody at 27. I basically waited until my meds were good. And then I was just sick of having a secret. I was so sick of having a secret that I couldn't tell anybody. And I couldn't really start a lot of, um, like, keep a lot of jobs in New York City. I worked in, like, like the design industry. And I had a lot of trouble losing jobs because of symptoms of schizophrenia. So I was like, I'm going to make my own brand, Schizophrenic NYC, and I'm going to tell everyone I have schizophrenia. And I was terrified and I just did it and I got great responses from people and anyone that, that, you know, might think negatively, like they can just go away. Goodbye. Done with you. Whatever. Again, accuse you, man. Maybe if you just smoked less, you would be less schizophrenic. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. People can go jump off a bridge. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Holy crap, dude. I had six years. You're just kind of holding this to yourself around people, huh? Yeah. And it was just weird. I just, I don't know. Cause I felt like people knew something was up, but what it was, I couldn't really say. So I was like, I might as well just tell everyone. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a social media or if it's a cult. I would hope it's a cultural shift. So um, again, I'm a school teacher. I'm a middle school teacher. So a lot of kids are finding their identities, age 12, 13, 14. You start kind of finding your niche. You get into what you're into. And um, we get a lot of professional development on empowering kids. Like you are okay. What you are is good, man. Everyone is good. You are what you are. And that's fine. And I feel the cultural shift of acceptance is, is good. 
in America <laughs> is good on social media. I feel like the trolls are kind of outpowered by those who are pro likes, pro empowering. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I always want to just, I guess, reaffirm my optimism in humanity <laughs> with different people. Cause sometimes people will be like, no, everyone's a jerk. And I'm like, I just don't feel the majority of people are out there to make fun and belittle and make people feel terrible and lower people's self-esteem for trying to deal with issues that they have. Well, I mean, recently on YouTube, somebody tried to comment, but it got flagged and it was, Michelle, you are a scum whore. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. Somebody hates me. Somebody really, really hates me. It was actually two comments. The first one was just, Michelle, you are scum. But the next one had the extra, Michelle, you are a scum whore. I was like, damn, they tried to get me twice. Is that harder the second time? Damn. Is that someone who you met on like Tinder or POF I have, I have and no all of a sudden you like ghosted them on some date? I, have, I don't, I don't know who it is. I didn't even check the, check the person. I was like, I don't know who this person Dude. is. Somebody random on YouTube. Think that I'm a scum whore. I don't know what I did to them, but um, whatever. What? Is, okay. Who is that Somebody. person? Who is that person that wants to take that time to write that comment and put it on like, to make it official? Who does that? I don't know. I don't know. Why would somebody, I don't get really understand the point of that. You, Michelle, you are a scum whore. Like, what the, what the fuck is the point of that? Like, no. are you serious? But I mean, I get, so of course, it, but most of the comments I get are usually very good. They're usually yeah, better right? ones. They're good. They're like, what was, oh, so, I love that you're so outspoken. You know, right. you make <laughs> so open. But, you know, and we get the, you know, you are a scum whore. But okay. What was the topic of the YouTube video? Um, it was just me. Uh, well, I was sharing the story of um, being diagnosed with schizophrenia. And then I actually went into the, the story I have about like a cop beating the crap out of me on a crisis call. So the thing that's telling me a scum whore, maybe it was that cop. You never know. Because <laughs> you filed a complaint. <laughs> I, didn't file, I didn't file a complaint. I just talk about her. Oh. I tell stories about that cop. I share everyone. I share my story about that cop. Then you know, I actually I friended her on Facebook, and um, she didn't know who I was probably. And then I told my story about that cop to these people with a blog that no longer exists, and I posted it on her wall, and then she blocked me. <laughs> Whoops. So I feel like she might follow me now. So if anyone's calling me a scum whore, I'm thinking it's her. It's that cop. That's who it is. Detective work. Um, you should have seen her Facebook. Her Facebook profile picture was her, her son, and a dead turkey they just shot. And guns. Her four-year-old son, like her five-year-old son holding a whole bunch of guns. I was like, really? Really? Empowering. Okay. It's... Crazy bit. The... <laughs> so, before... Now, I, I have not heard the cop beating you story. So, since... You enjoy oh my telling it. It's not traumatic anymore. Can I please get the cop beating you story? Oh, yeah. So I'm 18 years old and I go to school in upstate New York where the weather is cold and snowy. And we get a three day snow day in college. Oh. And we're in the dorms. What do you think we do? Study hard, get that GPA up. No. Um, <laughs> No, no, Volunteer no, no. at a local crisis shelter. 
bringing soup to older people, shoveling driveways. I bet you were a driveway shoveler for free. We're college freshmen. What do you think we're doing? <laughs> we decide to drink lots of alcohol. So, but you're not supposed to have dorm. You're not supposed to have liquor in the dorms. Okay. And we kind of got caught. But then, I freaked out because I was also pretty drunk, and I had to hurt my. I like cut myself, and these girls saw, and they told on me. They ran to an RA, and then I remember we're in our in the room. So I'm in a quad. So. Right when you open the door, it opens to a common room, mm -hmm. and there is a room to the right and a room to the left. So when you open up to the common room, I'm in the room to the right, and we get a knock on the door, and we're and they're like, "Hello," and we're like, "It's the police," and someone's like, "That's a joke, right?" And they're like, "It's the police." So we open the door, and we're in a semicircle, and I'm closest to my bedroom, right by the door, and we're all talking, and I open the door. No, I open the door, and I'm like. Is there a problem? She goes, I heard there was a problem. I'm like, there's no problem here. Don't worry. And she goes, I'm coming in here. So we're all in the semicircle. And she goes, okay, there's a problem. Everybody lift up your sleeves. So she starts at the left and think about it. I'm the last person on the right. And somebody in the room has cut their wrists. Okay. She says, everybody lift up your sleeves. Can, can I pause you for a moment? I got, I got lost. All the way on the right and goes one by one. And everybody else did it, and nothing was there. So there's one person left. Now, what do you think? Do you think the last person had it? What do you think? Just by your, by, by your estimation, what do you think? I'm standing there. Would you, if you were that cop, believe that person was the one then? Well, if there's only one left and you haven't seen anyone else. Well, yeah. Okay, so you are more intelligent than that cop. Can, can I pause you? Because I got lost somehow. In the report, someone called, like within your quad, saying someone cut someone. How does the cop know someone cut someone? Because or someone the cut girls themselves? ran to the RAs. They went to the RAs, you know, the rest And then the advisor. RA called in and said, the oh my RA God, someone called. slicing so the, themselves. So, okay, outside the door, there's a bunch of people, but whatever. Got you. Okay. I missed that. So I apologize. I'm last. I'm the last person. And I just go, yeah. She goes, let's, let's I go, yeah. Um, let me show you in my room. Let me just show you in my room because that's a really embarrassing thing to do. Like that's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly embarrassing. Right. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah. So I turned around to walk in my room cause it's right there. One step away. She grabs the hood of my sweatshirt and slams me on the floor. Damn. Cause you were trying to escape. Non-compliant. I was going into my bedroom. Like, I'm just there's kidding. No way, there's I'm no just, other exit. I'm just being a dumbass. I'm just completely I'm just being a dumbass. So I'm crawling <laughs> on the floor. She keeps coming after me. I'm trying to go under a chair, under my desk. You know, I have an older brother. I know how to wrestle. Like, you don't go on your, on your back because then you get pinned. So you stay on your stomach. And then all of a sudden, I can't move. She's got her knee on my neck. And then she puts the pepper spray right in front of my face and says, if you move a muscle, you're getting sprayed. And I was like, okay. And then she goes, put your hands behind your back. I go, you told me not to move a muscle. And she goes, put your hands behind your back or you're going to get pepper spray. I'm like, okay. So then I'm handcuffed. Me, handcuffed. With a cut wrist. Stands up. And she keeps saying, lift up your sleeve. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And she's moving me all the floor, pushing me, blah, blah, blah. But apparently, I don't remember the entire thing. But they said I was flipping all over the place, doing somersaults all over the place. Because I know at one point she was like, I got you now. And I go, you want to see something? And I pulled the gymnastics move and got right out of her grip. Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I, like, did this so well. But then all this, I'm backed into the corner and I'm on the floor. 
And then I kicked my legs out as hard as I can. And that's how I kicked the cop in the face. Dude, you kicked her in the face while handcuffed? Yeah. So <sighs> she goes, I don't care if it's you or not, but you're coming with me. I go, all right, fine. Well, I, oh, but the only, uh, what I kept yelling the whole time was like, you got me, you got me. And I kept yelling, are you aware of process of elimination? Like, do you know process of elimination? Like, where, where's your process? Like, this woman is so dumb. Like, how dumb can you be? You checked everybody else. And the one person who's refusing to do it won't show you. Process of elimination proves which one it was. She didn't have to fight me at all. It was obvious. Yet she chose to throw me on the floor. Um, God. I, I'm, She's an idiot. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of curious. How, why are you, or why did they tell you you were being... I guess initially you're not getting arrested for cutting yourself, right? They're just like, it's more like a safety call to see if you need like medical attention. It was a attention. crisis call. It was a crisis right? call. So then because I guess from their point of view, because you then tried to escape, flee, however they want to word it, then it gets escalated, which then gets you handcuffed. And then you Jackie Chenner and the chin, the nose, which takes it next level. Well, on a crisis call, you're not responsible for anything you do. As the person who's in crisis? Yeah. Stop. Swear to God. Like, is that a state law or federal? Do you know? <laughs> I think it's federal. Oh my gosh. And did you know that prior or you learned that afterwards where they were like, hey man, you should have just got like three kicks in because you're... You oh had... no, I learned it afterwards. Gotcha. Wow. Dude, that... To me, that goes to the police training that everyone's been hearing about and um, the ability to de-escalate and understand context for cops, which seems to be kind of hard. Like you would think if you're going somewhere and someone cut themselves, that's a person in need of help, right? Yeah. God. I just can't understand the, the, the lack of process of elimination. Well, can she not do anything unless she sees it? Maybe that's the thing. Maybe she has to get a visual in order to move on with whatever her process is of taking you in to get help. No? Maybe. I don't know. I had a disciplinary meeting about it. And she's on the phone. And she said, in all my crisis training, I never experienced something like this. No shit, bitch. What the fuck did you do? You're an idiot. And you would have been fine if you just wanted some privacy to show her so that you were less embarrassed. Yes, all I wanted was to not show everybody in the room. How, to go back for a minute, how was it discovered that you had cut yourself? Uh, somebody must have seen. I don't remember. I was very drunk. Gotcha. And do you remember why you were cutting yourself? I, I, I think I was like having a panic attack about something, about like, being caught drinking in the dorms. I don't really know. I was freaking out about something. Okay. I don't remember the full situation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like my, my intention was not death. I think it was just freak out. Right. Yeah. Had you, had you cut before? Yeah. So, and again, you can talk to me more about this. I, I have not, I've just read, had a couple of professional developments. Everything I've read about, cutters is when they're really struggling to, and I'm not calling you a cutter, but I guess cutters in general, they, 
they do that to gain some sort of control over a situation that they feel is spiraling out of control. Is that a little bit of the motivation for you to do that kind of thing or am I way off? Um, I mean, it was such a long time ago, but it was always like out of anger, out of frustration, you know, and I'm schizophrenic. So I would hear a voice and was like, you deserve pain. You deserve this. You did something wrong. You make everybody hate you. You're so dumb. Like hurt yourself. And did it happen often for you at that young age, huh? Like 18, that's, oh my God. Um, I think it was really only, only bad for a couple of months, for like a few months, a year, maybe. I don't know. Was not too bad. And the other thing that I had read was the sanitary components of it. When you cut, not making sure it, not getting too deep, not making sure it gets infected trying to hide it, picking different parts of your body meant different things of your awareness of it and the repercussions. And I'm curious, did you, was there like a, was there, fuck man, like not not a go-to spot. Was there, did different things make you want to cut different places? Like were there different releases? Like if you went inner thigh because you thought no one would see, you went wrist when it was like, I'm just really fucking angry. Were there different emotions associated with different places to cut? Or is that just a stupid ass question and you'll punch me when you see me? I mean, the most satisfaction would be the wrist, but everybody sees that. Plus that's super deadly. That's almost why it's like, because if you really get it, then you're really going to die. Right. But everybody see it. So you don't want to do it unless you're going absolutely insane. Just only in only like during really, really crazy, crazy, crazy moments. So when you're doing this, you're aware enough in the moment to be like, I can't go wrist because that's like an end all. That's a. Yeah. God. Do you what was what was it like the first time you cut? Or what was going on, I guess is the better way to I don't know. I, I think I think I was just frustrated and I didn't know what to do. Do you remember why it came to your mind to cut? I think I saw somebody else did it. And I thought, oh, that's something I can do. Let me try that. And did you get the result, the relief that you were looking for in the moment? Mm-hmm. And is that, I guess that's why then you just say, all right, let me get this again, huh? Or let me try this again to get the relief that I need. Yeah. Almost like a, like a drug habit. Yeah. Right. I, um, that's what, that's what I've, I've tried to explain that to people that it is like a drug habit, but you would never get treated like that if it was a drug, you know? You would be like locked up in a psych ward. Yeah, which you is, you know, but really it's like 
No, it's almost an addiction, man. From again, what I've read, I've uh, read yeah. a couple different books and I just finished um, Dope Sick by Beth Macy about the heroin opioid epidemics in Roanoke or around the Roanoke area in Virginia. And um, when you spoke about cutting, that's it, it triggered the similarities in the book because the students that I've had in my experience that have cut the research that I've read it is very similar to addicts where they look for that relief and that control. But I think the difference is the addicts become like numb and almost float away. And again, I could be completely wrong, but from what I understand, when people are cutting, they feel like they are empowered over their problems. It's the way to defeat the problem where the addicts are just trying to escape the problem. Uh-huh. I see what you're saying. Does that it's a way I, of fighting it. You're fighting the problem. Exactly. You're you're like, fuck you, problem. I'm in control. Where the act is like, problem, you beat me. I just want to avoid it. I just don't want to think about it. Where you are like, this is the way I win. Or I shouldn't say you. That some cutters feel this is the way I can then win. I'm in control. The problem is not beating me. It's almost like you're just fucking super stubborn <laughs> and you're like this thing ain't better than me i can kick its ass kind of kind of, sometimes sometimes yeah it can be there i guess there's well, there's different do you remember the sensation and why you went back to it i don't know i thought it felt good i thought i deserved it like I thought I just, I deserved to hurt myself and I thought it felt good when I did it. Almost like a penance thing, huh? Mm-hmm. God. Dude, you are so right about people who cut, you would look at that and say, lock them up, psych ward kind of shit. And it's not mm-hmm. that. Like, like that, that would almost be the worst thing. Like you're adding to the guilt and the stigma that goes along with it. Just like, mm-hmm. just like the opioid addiction. No, you need to embrace them and empower them and help them with coping skills for sure. Exactly. You have to learn a, another coping skill. That's what, that's exactly what you have to do. Just refocus. Yeah. The, that energy. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, all you got to do. Yeah. hundred percent, man. That's, um, yeah, I wish, I, don't know, I wish more money was spent better from the government to get supports like that for people who need it. What, um, did anything in particular get you to stop? Um, the last time I did it was pretty bad. So I just said I would never do it again. I made a promise. Was the cop incident the last time? (laughs) No. Oh shit. Um, and maybe I shouldn't be laughing about it. Um, and if, again, if I mean, I, I really don't mean to offend, but what made the last time so bad that it was like a rock bottom moment for you? I couldn't really hide the scars so well. So everybody knew. Can I, I'm, oh, I've always been curious and I haven't been able to ask why is it so important for cutters to typically hide scars? 
Mm, I don't know. Or I mean, maybe for you, I shouldn't ask you to generalize like you're a, like you're um, an expert on it. Why was it important for you that people didn't know you were cutting? Because it's embarrassing. People think there's something wrong with you. It's like a sign that you're crazy. And did you, were you diagnosed with the bipolar? Because you had said 18, college, so I'm trying to put that. Were you cutting while bipolar or were you cutting before the diagnosis or I get like the relation between the two? I don't know. Just cause it was the diagnosis doesn't mean I didn't already have it or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I was curious if like hearing like, fuck man, I'm bipolar takes you to a place where you're angry, ashamed. And you're like, I got to cut or you were cutting prior to the diagnosis because you're like almost just wondering like, why the fuck do I feel this way, man? And you're just reaching for straws trying to figure out. And I was wondering if like being diagnosed bipolar, it's almost like would be a relief in helping to stop cutting because you're like, okay, now I have like a path. No, because those bipolar meds didn't work for me. Dude, I can't imagine the cocktails going on trying to figure out those levels. Mm-hmm. Takes a long time. But when you figure it out, it's good. I want you. I had no idea it would um, get this serious this quick, Michelle. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I really didn't think that. I, I I thank you for sharing about it though because I think it is it it is something that I don't know I hadn't thought about in a while kids cutting but I do know that does still happen people I shouldn't just say kids kids cutting and it, it comes from that I, I was super interested when you said you felt like you deserved I guess you didn't say you felt like you deserved pain but something like that. And I'm kind of curious why you were feeling that way. Well, that's what the, I was, I'm schizophrenic. That's what the voice was telling me to do. Gotcha. That's how long had you been dealing with that voice till you gave in and actually cut? I don't know. I don't really know. I don't know when I first got the idea. I don't know. Got you. And if, again, man, if you don't want to, um, if you want to like pivot or move on, if I'm, uh, I'm not trying to paint you in any sort of bad light or anything, and I don't want to be like an intrusive dick. So if you don't want to talk about anything, you absolutely have that right. Um, at any time. I'm just, okay. I'm just super curious again, because as a, teacher and then you know some teachers listen to this you never know who listens to this i always try to just get some takeaways for if you think something's going on or if you see someone in a similar position how could people who haven't been through it understand what it's like to go through it so that if you come across someone going through it you're in a better position to help them that's kind of where i'm coming from with the questions if that makes sense um mm-hmm. god yeah uh, 
So do you mind if we go a little timeliney? Because my mind works in a very like chronological order. Sure. So bipolar diagnosis at 18 with some fashion and you do make some dope ass t-shirts. I tried to guilt you because we had to reschedule <laughs> and I'm like, can we reschedule and you send me one of your cool t-shirts? Cause you do mm. make some really cool t-shirts, good slogans. I think there was like a Warshack. Am I saying that right? Warshack looking one. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like the dude's fucking cool ass t-shirts. Um, so you seem artsy as hell. And I want to kind of go back to you dealing with this bipolar, the diagnosis, and I'm assuming you had like fashion aspirations at that point in your life, or am I wrong? Well, I was in school to be um, a graphic web designer, interactive designer, all that kind of stuff. And I worked in New York City in like every industry you can possibly imagine for five years doing all kinds of graphic design and web design. But I just struggled with keeping a job just because of symptoms. So I decided to start my own brand with all the knowledge that I had from working in a bazillion industries. So it's kind of just what I did. I mean, it's fun stuff. Yeah, no doubt. I learned, I learned a lot in every industry. I have like 15 jobs over five years. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like what kind of stuff? I, I'm completely ignorant aside from Project Runway to the fashion industry. <laughs> well, honestly, I didn't really, I only really worked in fashion one time when I interned for a fashion photographer. Okay. And I, I learned a lot from him, actually. Um, I, wor I worked for an urban radio company that did a lot of hip hop stuff. That was interesting. I worked for the company that puts on the New York City Marathon. I worked at a wine store as a web designer the biggest wine store in New York city. Oh. I work at Mount Sinai hospital and their printing department. I worked at some law conference place for a little bit. I hated it. It was awful. I worked at a, uh, was a designer at a interesting kind of a drug store that sold organic toothpaste and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I I worked at, um, did they do organic like deodorant as well? Cause I've always been skeptical of I that believe stuff. So. Like, had, like all kinds of weird organic stuff. Yeah. And, like I, it was weird. I got some of the toothpaste though. I was like, sure. Whatever. And what was that like? Cause I haven't done uh, it. It, it. It was like, like super minty, like, like toothpaste that was just like way too minty. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is burning my mouth. Right. I feel, I feel like it would be sandpapery gritty where like your gums would just bleed every time. It was like the cinnamon was like, like for real cinnamon. It was like, jeez. <laughs> Let me think. Where else have I worked? Um, I worked at a magazine. Doing some mag mag uh, One magazine I won't mention because they were awful. Another magazine was uh, in New York magazine. I worked there. Um, where else have I worked? I worked at the onion. Um, I worked, I worked at uh, a place that did a uh, baby clothes flash sales. Um, <sighs> that had to be very popular. Everyone's always looking for baby clothes. Well, that site has since, um, gone under. <laughs> Cause you left. <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> I'm trying to think of I'm really trying to think this is actually kind of fun to think about all these jobs that I've had um let me think let me think let me think let me think every was that all of them oh I worked at some 
weird internet phone place where they sold like phone accessories and like routers and modems on their website. Like their website it was weird. I didn't like that. That was really strange. Like GoGo Tech or whatever that was. It was just strange. Um, wow. I worked at 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 a startup at a design firm. Okay. At a startup design firm. I'm really just starting to think of everything now. This is actually really strange. And you're at 13. I'm keeping a list. So you have to say two really more. at 13. No, I just made that number up. It feels like it was oh. the right number though. <laughs> okay. I'll stop. I'll stop thinking. Cause no, I just, no. I don't even know. I can't even Dude, So are, are you just like looking at like indeed for jobs? Like when you lose oh, one, Oh my God. When I was one? looking for jobs. I yeah. would apply to 15 jobs a day. Really? Oh, I also, I worked, I was a, I was, I was like a web designer at a, uh, small design boutique with some weird name. I'm not going to tell them. Yeah, that's that fine. Because I don't like that boss. He was an asshole. <laughs> There's another one right there. <laughs> what made How him? Many so, like, what? I'm at 15 mil bajillion, bajillion. Gotcha. Bajillion, 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 bajillion. Yes. Um, I, I, man, two, I have two questions. One, web design... I, I'm in Southern Delaware, living expenses, very minimal. I can't wrap my head around making enough money because I've traveled to New York City a couple of times. I can't wrap my head around making enough money to actually live in New York City. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, so and that's what I'm wondering with the web designer and bouncing around, is that like a pretty well-paying position or is that more like a starter position where you're hoping to like grow within a company to make real money? Well, it depends. Um, what What's good is that when you when you do positions like that, you can work for um, like an agency that just places like freelance pays you, and uh, then usually it's twenty five dollars an hour and up. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And then two, I have to know why that boss whose company we should not name was an asshole. Because I feel like you enjoy talking shit on people a little bit, which I do oh. too. You know why he was an asshole? I missed one day of work while I ever worked there. The thing is, I wasn't even that, t like, I woke up late. I texted the manager and said, hey, I woke up late. I have a doctor's appointment. I'll come after. And she said, don't worry about it. Take the day off. Okay. Then And then apparently over the weekend, um, my boss saw a picture of me out with a bunch of people at work. And then on uh, Monday, or, or I was told, um, yeah, you didn't come in on Friday, and then you had an unplanned doctor's appointment. I said, no, my doctor's appointment was planned. I go to the doctor every other Friday at that time. It was completely planned. And basically told him everything he said was completely wrong, and he was right. And then he said that, but you, and he kind of said a bunch of stuff, and he says, but you're doing really good work. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and then the next day I was fired for no reason. Stop. Just for no reason. For absolutely no reason. Like, did they call you in the office or they send an email? How do they fire you? Like, they make you show up and they're like, um, sorry, bitch, turn around. See ya. Pretty much, I came to work. I had a meeting. I had the, He brought me into his office and said, um, so Friday you weren't here. I put in uh, an ad out. I got a lot of responses. 
So okay. we're going to go with somebody else. This is going to be, uh, you can just go home. I was like, what the hell? I missed one day of work. One day. And I was replaced. What was? When the manager told me not to come in. Right. So I don't understand. Yeah. Dude, and I would think with web design stuff, like, it's not like, I guess maybe it could be, but time is a little more sandy or shifty. Like you can upload shit or you can put things on later on. It's Or am I wrong about that? Like, so as a teacher, if I call out and the kids come at eight o'clock, I got to have my ass in the classroom at eight o'clock. You know, like I can't show up at nine 30 cause then kids are unattended for an hour. But if you're a right. web designer and we need this new web page or whatever, it's like, all right, dude, I couldn't get here to work at eight. I can do it at one o'clock. I feel like it's a little more loose timeline wise. It just made no sense. It just didn't make any sense. Especially if the you're doing was, good work. This is why I think it happened. After a certain amount of time, I was supposed to get a raise. Oh. He didn't want to give me a raise. So you go from like freelancer to someone who's more on the books or more often on the books. And it's just right. cheaper and to he, keep hiring. I think he just didn't want to do that because I think the company was not making as much money as he was hoping. Right. So he just replaced me with some schmuck. What did the YouTube commenter call you? A scum whore? That guy's a yeah. fucking scum whore. Yeah, he's a scum whore. Scum <laughs> whore, for real. I'm serious, man. God, dude. That's so much shit to deal with. Like, just trying to have a career and deal with people fucking pinching bottom lines when you're doing good work and trying to make, like, a reputation. You know? That, yeah. That's really fucked up. Yeah. For is real. It, is it hard because you've had so many jobs or do employers see it as a plus that you have like a diverse skill set or do employers, if you put it on a resume, are they like, whoa, she ain't going to last but like five weeks. <laughs> no, I just, I just design my resume in, a, in the correct way to uh, make it just have, just work well. It's just, I just, I interviewed well because I did it so much. Okay. Oh, I, I would always say, I would never say I was fired. I would say that, um, I was freelancing and my project ended. Ah, okay. That's, God, that's such good wording. Do you have any other tips? Like, are mm -hmm. there, are there different cheats, like ways to, um, fuck man, I'm trying to remember. So I grew up waiting tables and like people would say, I'm not a waiter. I'm a personal care attendant. If they were like trying to get into like nursing or the medical field. And they were like, I was a personal care attendant for four years. And it's like, no, dude, you were a fucking busboy, you know, but are there different ways or different little cheats that you have found to uh, redesign your resumes or reword in interviews that can help people? Well, the thing, when you do graphic design, you have to bring a portfolio. Okay. So you're going to put the jobs on your resume jobs you've had the longest where you've liked what you've made so you can show that when I was working here I made this plus underneath that I just wrote freelance and I wrote bazillions of little freelance companies that I've worked for because I could freelance while I work got you so then that makes sense because then it's like you you come across as super skilled because so many people are hiring you as a freelancer yeah. right so I might, might list three specific jobs but but freelance like 20 Gotcha. And just, and just kind of like, like say just anything, like any little thing. Cause I freelance like doing those, like through the agency, like just like 
today, can you work for two hours on something? Yeah, sure. So I technically said I freelanced at this company, but it might've been only a two hour job. Gotcha. Yeah, but you're not like in parentheses two hours. <laughs> no, like, of course yeah. not. No, exactly. of course not. Exactly. You're just no, no. It. And then down the side, also because you work so many places, you learn so many programs. So I had like, you know, you know, my web stuff that I know, my my back end then I know, my programs that I know. You just list, 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 all your skills. Gotcha. Dude, this again, it reminds me of the um what was it again? The seven things never to ask. And I think one or two was like, I, I don't know if the question was like, are people with schizophrenia or are crazy people more creative? <laughs> and you were like losing your shit about that. Not losing your shit, but you were like, no motherfucker. Like maybe I'm just creative. <laughs> like maybe I just can do things. I had no idea that you actually have this like graphic designer background kind of a thing, man. And I'm, I'm interested, how did you get into the art stuff? Was it just always a passion? You were just like a drawer as a kid? I was just always into art. Just al- always, always have been. So. Like in, what, I I, did you grow actually, up in the I, city? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Are you like I, New I, York City, born and bred? No, I'm from, I'm from Westchester, just above the city. Okay. Actually, so. I think I lived in Westchester for a little bit, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit more of a richier suburb, right? Am I thinking about that right? Or is everything around New York richier? Um, some place it depends where you go in those places. It could be richier or it could be grosser. Yeah, I don't I we left New York when I was left so I was born in Queens, Jackson Heights, Queens. Parents got divorced. I think we moved to Westchester. I want to say it was Dogwood Drive for whatever that matters. I don't even know. I know there was a big ass hill, but there's a bunch of big ass hills. For, we lived there for like a year, I believe, and then moved to Delaware when I was about 11 or 12. So, gotcha. So I, I don't, it's very hard for me to visualize it. I don't know if that's because of like the trauma of going through divorce. You're just going through all these different transitions in your life as a young kid. So the geography of it messes me up, but I'm pretty sure... Um, when you said Westchester, I was like, oh shit, I think I lived there for a little bit. And then we had like a townhouse for a little bit. My mom had to drive, like she was working for um, Kiss FM 98.7 in the city. And uh, mm-hmm. she'd have to drive like an hour, maybe an hour and a half each way, each day. Um, does that sound about right? Or am I off on that time? I don't know. Well, Westchester is a whole county. So it really depends so you where you live in Westchester. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Then I have no idea other than Westchester. <laughs> Okay, so then you were in Westchester, you get to the city, and I guess the reason I was asking is because I'm always jealous now living in Delaware of the art experience people in a city can have. Like if you're in New York City, you can just see all sorts of cool shit all the time, and I would imagine that would be hella inspiring. Yeah, it is. It's cool. You get to see a lot of really, really, really cool stuff. Sometimes I'm like, I'm so much better than that person. Why aren't I in this gallery? Really? <laughs> that- Sometimes, sometimes you just see nonsense. You're like, what is that? But that's also just jealousy. Right. Do you do gallery stuff? What? I, I sometimes show in the Fountain House Gallery. Okay. Like what, do you, and again, I'm ignorant to art. Is it like sculptures? Is it prints? Is it paintings? Is it like the graphic designs that people can see on your t-shirts? What do you actually it, show in a gallery? Um... It's um, prints. I, I 
draw these really detailed pictures and then I bring them into the computer and then I mess around with them. Oh, like they get scanned? Oh, you're okay. Well, they don't even get scanned anymore. It's called a cell phone picture. <laughs> and then how do you, okay. So, oh, so the background is a design you made. Yeah. Got you. And for people listening, she's showing me. Okay. So you got some tiles in the background. Yeah, those are just canvas prints that I had made. And then, so yeah. you draw them by hand and you get them into the computer? Yeah. And then what do you and do? I layer. I layer them. You can see it on my Instagram. If you go to my reels, actually, <laughs> check it out. Got you. Okay, so you enjoy like the different, what would that, is there a genre for that? Digital art, I guess. I don't really know. Okay. Well, because like it doesn't seem like you're um, whatever, like painting a peach and shading it. Do you know what I'm saying? No, like, no, like, I don't. Like it's, well, I mean, I, I had to do that in school and all that kind of stuff, but that's not my 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 fun. I don't find that very fun. Yeah, right. Like that that stuff. I don't even know honestly how to describe it other than like, it's just shit. How would I describe it, man? How would you describe it? While I'm thinking about how I would describe your art. I don't know, psychedelic trippy. Yes. Fuck, so much better than me. Yeah, it's just a bunch that there's not like an image that you focus on. You just kind of stare at circles, colors, shapes, and you just zone out on it. You just see it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got you. So then what are you seeing that you're like, man, my stuff's more creative than that? Is it the peach? You see someone with a shaded peach or a candle and you're like, those fucking schmucks. I don't know. I don't remember anything really specific, but <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of ugly stuff. For all good art, there's equally as bad art. So, And also, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So somebody could think it's really good and whatever, I think it's really bad. Some people might think that my art is disgusting. So, you know, it is what it is. Right. People think I'm a scum whore. Scum you know. whore. That's scum whore art. <laughs> That's scum whore art. <laughs> God, that's awesome. <laughs> Hopefully we can call like 12 more people scum whores <laughs> throughout yes, the podcast. <laughs> Have you um gotten to sell anything? Or yeah. do you not do Oh, do you really? Awesome. Yeah. Tell me some price tags, man. Talk about the Buku bucks. Like $40. Okay. For that kind of canvas, what was that? Like a six by six or is that a like 12 I think by 12? that's an eight by eight, but I usually sell an eighteen by twenty four print on my website, and those are like thirty eight dollars. Okay, nice. And you ship them like wherever. Mm hmm. Dude, kind of cool, man. Um, is that and I don't know how to ask this. Is that like part of the goal of your art to be commercial? Because I've spoken to different artists, and I've had like surreal artists on who are like, I just kind of enjoy getting in that vibe and the price is the price. I don't have a profit model. And I've spoken to commercial artists. He like works in Toronto, Paul. And he's like, nah, man, I'm fucking making money. I'm trying to open a studio. Like I got dollar goals in mind with my art. So I'm always curious with artists, the goal is the expression and experience or is the PayPal account? <laughs> Um, I don't really know. It's with the whole business type of deal of just, you know, ending stigma, talking about mental health, everything like that. Oh. Making a change. 
So what's the connection with the art and the mental health and the stigma? It's the art that I make. It's the art that I make that I draw the drawings when I'm really anxious, things like that. And is that one of, does that, I'm, I'm assuming it relaxes you then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because it gives you something to, and again, like we can, um, I definitely think we should include that in one of the pictures, but like, it looks intricate as hell, right? So is it just so detailed that it just forces your mind to focus on the now, the line, the color, the shape kind of a thing that takes everything else away? Mm -hmm. How'd you get there? How'd you find that, that that was your way or a way for you to cope? I just, I just, I don't know. I just, I got like a notebook from Walmart and I got some magic markers and just zoned out. No way. Yeah. What age was that? 20. (laughs) And people can't see your like smirking eyebrow raised at my giggles, but it was great, dude. (laughs) Did you feel any sort of more like, God, I'm a fucking goober coloring at the age of 20 with markers. Or you were like, just man, no, this feels I, actually, fucking great. I was working in sleepaway camp and the 12 year olds were making uh, me insane. I hated that bunk <laughs> so much. They were such a bitch as I hated them. So I would just color and tell them to get away from me. Wait, dude, you were a sleepaway camp counselor. Oh Yeah. <laughs> For two years. Dude, that is awesome. Like you had to wear khaki shorts and a polo and go kayaking and all that? Or like, what was it? No, it was mad. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Actually, it was, this camp was listed as the number one most expensive, bougiest camp that there is. Stop. Swear to God. What? Why? Manicures? Like what makes $13, it? $13,000 a summer. You're fucking lying to One me, kid. 13 k for a summer. How yep, many? seven weeks. Seven weeks, $13,000. Stop. Swear to God. To just ditch your kid for seven weeks to mm-hmm. keep living your $13, life. $13,000. That's how nice it is, though. It's nice. Like It's nice. Nice in what way? The food, the amenities? The, food is good. the food's good. Like, some of the bunks are really, really nice. Some are older, but like, like free laundry. I mean, I guess I'm not free laundry, but I'm just like, and also it's, it's fun. Like you make friends with all the counselors. It's like a lot of fun to work there. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. And is it, am I thinking about it? Like it's in the wilderness kind of a thing or am I thinking about that wrong? Up in the Adirondack mountains. Okay. Oh, wow. So you're not just like a city person then. Like you enjoy the nature as well. Yeah. Uh You, you, Again, people can't see your facial expression. You looked at me like I was stupid. You were like, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, you fucking idiot. Of course I do. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, how did you get into becoming a counselor? It was just, again, one of those jobs that you were like, hey, I can make some money on this. Or how did you get there to be a counselor? My, my friend did it the year before and said, come with me. And I was like, okay. And that, that was all you needed. Like, your friend was your in. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sure. Why not? Okay, sounds fun. Let's do it. Tell me, I, dude, tell me a little more about this. I've never spoken to a sleepaway camp counselor. 
Really? As as amazing as the guests have been on this pod, I have not stumbled across someone who was a sleepaway camp counselor for 13 fucking K a summer. (laughs) So I'm like, the only thing I can go with is my daughter. I have a 10 year old daughter and, um, there's a Disney show camp Kiki Waka. I'm going to assume you're not familiar with it or no. Yeah. So (laughs) it it seems very much like that where they have little cabins and then you get put there and you're a chipmunk or you're a squirrel or you're a raccoon. And then you get to do like all these different activities and it's just like free reign for these kids. Yeah. Like my bunk, like when you're of a certain age, you don't need a general counselor. So I was a lifeguard. So the girls had their schedule. They would follow the schedule and I would go lifeguard and do my own thing. The girls would show up. And then I would, you know, whatever swim group I had, I would just do whatever, make friends with the girls, have fun. It was fun to talk to like bazillions of girls and like girls are just like the things they say. Some of these like little girls, are just, they're just ridiculous. It's hilarious. They're always talking about boobs. Like when are they going to grow boobs? Like all the time, all the time. <laughs> I love it. Was it a pool or a pond that you're lifeguarding? It was a lake. Okay, a lake. I guess. Do you know the difference between a pond and a lake? Because I don't. Um, pond is smaller. I don't know. I have no idea. I guess my mind's just weird like that. Like, I always wonder, like, how much smaller, man? Like, you hit 100 feet and you're like, oh, shit, it's a pond. Nope, 300. Yep, now we're at a lake. I've just always wondered that. Damn, a pond. So you were a lake lifeguard. Yes, I was. Yes, yes, yes. CPR? Not Lifeguarding on a lake is, is really hard. Yeah? Why we is that? Because you can't see the bottom. Why is that a challenge? Because if you're lifeguarding at a pool, you can see if somebody's underwater. If somebody's in a lake, you can't see if anyone's underwater. Oh. It's a lot harder. Got to look for the bubbles. In between making boob jokes or talking about like when you're going to get boobs, you're like, oh shit, let me check for bubbles to see if anybody needs my help. What kind of things would you do with the kids on the lake, man? Like, what? Dude, sometimes we had like people had to like just swim and like learn, learn the right way to do the front crawl, the right way to do the butterfly, the right way to do the breaststroke. But really, everybody hated swimming. So I'd be like, just swim for a little bit and then we'll get out and we'll review. Okay, guys. And they'd be like, okay. He did swimming. Wow. It was cold. The water was cold. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And are you like a, like a competitive swimmer at some point in your life? Um, I was never a competitive swimmer. I hate swimming, but I'm a good swimmer. The Red Cross swimming strokes. It's different. Red Cross swimming strokes. What is that? Because the Red the Red Cross has its, its water safety instructor rules, and that's how you teach kids to water safety is how they teach that stroke. If you're racing, it's a racing stroke, and it's completely different. Okay. Because we teach, like, say you're in a boat and the boat goes under, we teach you how to live if that happens. Like, the, the strokes in the right way or have, the, like, the survival floats that you can do, everything like that. But when you're racing, they teach you how to swim the fastest way possible. We teach you how to conserve your energy and swim in the most effective way possible. 
damn, you can tell. Were, were you ever Lake Lifeguard of the Week? Because that was a great breakdown. Did you get a plaque at some I point? I was a lifeguard for six summers. You did that for six summers? No, well, I was only, I, I, I lifeguarded five different places. Okay. I had a lot of different lifeguarding jobs <laughs> as well. <laughs> I'm so glad you said it. How did you get into, or I guess why? Why did you get into lifeguarding as a gig? Because I was like, this is so easy. When you're working, you're just sitting. <laughs> That's not boring to you? Like that would drive me. It would be so hard for me to sit there and just stare and do nothing for two, three, four hours or whatever. You don't know. That's not, you don't do that. No? There's always a rotation. Okay. But also, if you work at a day camp, you're not always just sitting. You're teaching swimming, too. So in the morning, you're teaching swimming. In the afternoon, you're sitting. Got Okay. That makes sense. Or standing. Really depends where you work. But there's a there's usually like a 15-minute rotation period. I only did like a swim club one time where really you just sat 15 minutes in each spot. And then like we would talk about it sometimes like in the break area. It's like it's a mind game up there. Like it's a mind game to make you not go crazy. I bet. Dude, I bet. I, I watch them on those stands and you're just like, man, that's, I don't know. The, the best time is when you lifeguard the old people pool. The old people love talking to lifeguards. Really? Yeah. The old people, like the, the old people designated pool. They just like, hello, how are you doing? It's like, they just want to talk to people. Yeah, they want those relationships, right? And you're just sitting there doing nothing anyway. I had my friend in college, one of my roommates, she was lifeguarding in college and she was like, oh my God, I have senior swim today. I just love when it's senior swim. It's my favorite thing ever. I just love senior swim. It's like a thing. Senior swim is like just so much fun to lifeguard. The best thing. I I, I don't know, man. Like I could totally see that because... I'm, I'm an individual who enjoys getting to know people and you're sitting up there and it's like, what the fuck else? What else am I doing? Yeah, man. Hey, Rob, tell right. me about when your it's, life. When it's senior swim. There's only like three people in the pool. Right. No one's drowning. <laughs> no doubt. Cause they know how to no swim. Kids, it's no little kids going to fall over. Right. You know? Wow. Lifeguard. Dude, no idea. Had no idea that you would also be a lifeguard as well. Do you miss it at all? I mean, some, some, yeah, sometimes I guess, but. What would you miss yeah. about it? Like when I you, mean, when, I miss working at sleepaway camp, but I mean, I, I don't want to be a lifeguard. Right. Like I wouldn't lifeguard at a beach. I would never lifeguard at a beach. Because? That's too, it's too dangerous. There's too room for margin of error. I like, and to work at a beach, like the beaches close by or on Long Island, there's like, you have to pass like a really rigorous, like physical test. So you're not about no, that life. I'm not about to do that. Like I could probably pass it, but I don't want to even do it. And I don't want to work at a beach. Cause that's like, you stare for hours. Like, yeah. I don't want to do that. And sometimes like, there's like stories, like there was a shark. What? I'm not messing with anywhere where there's gonna might be a shark. Uh-uh. Yeah, that's your. I mean, it's your job, man. When you're there, 
Exactly. So I don't want, they're saying there's been a shark off the coast of Long Island. I am not lifeguarding at any beach where there might be a shark. Fuck that. What about the Lake Placid alligator going after a kid? Are you jumping in and attacking an alligator that has wandered into the lake? Or is that kid just bait? I've been to Lake Placid. <laughs> um, not going to tell you what I did there. No. no. At a lacrosse it. tournament there. But Oh, no way. You're a lacrosse player too. You know what happened at Lake Placid? I was right on that water. You don't even know. But there was no alligator when I was right on the edge of Lake Placid. No, dude, that's a movie. Do you not remember the movie? Or do, have you not I seen it? I know the movie. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. No, so like play the scenario out. You see this 40-foot alligator chomp a kid's because leg. Somebody comes with a gun and shoots the alligator. There you go. Just shoot the alligator. No, it's just you and Samantha. She's trying her hardest to impress you with her new breath breaststroke. And the alligator comes, maybe just takes off a foot, not the whole leg. So she still has a chance. But you, you can be the savior and get Samantha back to shore. Are you diving in? Or are you getting the other kids off the well, shore to Well, I have to know the protocol for if there an alligator comes. Oh, you just we haven't been trained. taught that yet. We, I was never taught anything like that to know what the protocol is. <laughs> if there's an alligator or a shark or any kind of fish. I was never taught that. <laughs> I actually, we went to Jones Beach to get our waterfront certificate. And I failed the test, not at Jones Beach, but in the, in the class, I failed the waterfront test twice, but somehow I got the card and I was like, okay. Just for trying. They were like, man, she gave hella effort. Just for trying. They, they, for some reason gave me the card, even though I failed the test twice. Nice. So I had my waterfront degree. I don't, my card that never expires. So I still, even though I'm no longer certified in lifeguarding, if I decide to become a certified in lifeguarding again, I can lifeguard at any beach. The waterfront degree? Huh. Did not mm-hmm. know that. Dude, that's kind of, that's interesting to me that it was like being a summer camp sleepaway, summer camp counselor, that you kind of discovered this uh, love for drawing and art. Yeah. That's kind of cool, man. Mm-hmm. I, um, Cause there, I mean that it, it's something I struggle to get into because I'm very inartistic. Um, but the art therapy is something where I've always wondered, why do we stop as we grow up? Why do we stop loving to just fucking zone out and color to sketch, right? Like it's so you could give a kid a coloring book, dude, and they'll be set for hours, days. And you're like, how come that stops? What age? Why? Do you ever wonder about that? Or am I just odd to think about that? I don't know. I feel like when you, when you ask a bunch of kids, like younger kids, who's an artist, everybody raises their hands. And you ask a bunch of older kids who's an artist, only a few people will ever raise their hand. Right? Yeah. I think you... people become critical. People go, oh, it's ugly. Oh, it's ugly. Oh, it's ugly. Mm. Or they compare themselves to other people's artwork. But when you're little, everyone thinks that their art is great. It's just when you start getting, you know, criti- critical about yourself. That's a great point. You start trying to be perfect. Which then makes it not art, right? Because like it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Dude, that's a really good breakdown. You're um so do you have a therapy degree as well? 
because you just no. break shit down really well. That was um. I don't. I don't have a therapy degree. No, I don't. That was an interesting. Maybe not therapy. Um, theoretical. What would philosophical? Philosophical degree, right? Because that was like that's one of those things where it's like um, it's true. I wonder if the criticism because I see it in schools. Like when kids get criticized, they'll they'll stop. You know, they'll they'll back off of a passion because they don't want to deal with the criticism and. It sucks, right? Because sometimes if you get past the criticism, then all of a sudden you can discover your talent or enjoyment, right? Like it sometimes you don't need to do stuff for other people's approval. You just do stuff because the doing is what actually is fun. Yeah. I yeah. know. Man. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I I say all that to say I don't know if I could get back into coloring. I don't think I would enjoy it. I just watch too much Netflix and stream too many shows. <laughs> That's what's replaced coloring, which is sad. Yeah, there, well, there's none of that at Superboy Camp. No Wi-Fi, eh? No, no Wi-Fi. Wait, how long ago was that? Like, how long ago were you at Sleepaway Camp as a counselor? Over 10 years ago. Yeah, so I guess they would have had internet, right? But not like Wi-Fi like it is today. You're not. Yeah, but they, like, don't, they don't want the the girls aren't allowed to have phones. Plus, if there's an iPod, sometimes an iPod can get Wi-Fi. They only have like specific Wi-Fi. They don't want it. the girls to have any Wi-Fi. Oh, so it really is that remote, huh? Yeah, there's barely any phone service. And did they talk to you about like why that's important to the camp? They just wanted everyone to just disconnect and have camp. Just, just regular camp fun. Feeling that bubble, feel that little bit of isolation, huh? Uh-huh. Gotcha. Is New York feeling like that at all? I'm curious because COVID's going around. <laughs> I'm wondering what it's like to live in one of the most densely populated places. It has to be, from what I've seen on the news again in Delaware, seems like New York's just fucking empty. No, it's 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 still pretty popping. Trust really? me. Stop. I was just... walking down the street yesterday. There was like a band playing in the middle of the street, like not the, like on the sidewalk. This woman's singing. All these restaurants are open. All their seating is outside. It's, it's going. It's not. It's not empty. Okay. There's just no tourists. Ah, so it's all the people living there that are. It's all people actually live here. Yeah. Gotcha. So how much more free or how much more space are you feeling now that all those dumbass tourists aren't going up there? I don't know because, you know, I don't go to Times Square. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> There's a lot less people on the subway. Nobody's asking directions, you know. That's a good point. Has COVID messed with your life at all, living in New York? Um. Well, yeah, you got to wear a mask everywhere. Mask on the subway. Subways are gross. Right. But I mean, they're cleaning the subways. Subways are have been pretty empty. Only some people are taking them. Um, it's... Uh, uh, I don't know. I think the guy in the front apartment died of COVID. There were some cops outside the door the other day. <laughs> the woman was crying. They were trying to get the door open. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think you think, you think that's why I died. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty disturbing. 
Do you know your neighbors in the apartment? No, no, I don't. I actually, I used to know some neighbors, but people have been gone for a while. But gotcha. That man's been there a while, and he's an old dude. So, uh, so you're just putting two yep. and two oh, together. Oh, that's uh, that. That was weird. That was pretty weird when I saw a bunch of cops kind of getting there, and the woman's crying, and I see my super, and he goes, "I think a man died." I go, "Oh, great." Oh well, whatever. Does... But no, everything's still really, really, really going, all the time. Huh. Yeah, that is not the picture I get. Again, being whatever I am, two hundred miles The news away. is just the news. Just makes up stuff. The news loves to just make up things, like yeah, right? about New York all the time. Oh, we're so dangerous. It's so dangerous here, dude. That's the other thing I've heard. Like now with COVID and the the Black Lives Matter and police standing down and cops are calling out all the time and crimes going rampant. And you're like, is it? Not not one bit. Really? Like nothing's been happening. Huh? There's protests, but there's no danger. Wow. I mean. One of my like old pastimes that I used to just love to do was put on the six o'clock news because in the first three minutes you find out who got um, slashed on the subway, who got <laughs> raped, and who got shot and murdered. First three minutes. So it was always like, so there is, you know, there is danger, but for how many people live here, it's not really that bad. So you, in your mind, when you get that, you just put it like, to the percentage. And you're also, like, also, most likely, two out of three of those things happened in the Bronx. Oh. <laughs> so fine. I mean, I saw a guy once without a knife on the subway, but I was like, um, okay, that's fine. Whatever. It's not hmm. my problem. I'm, I'm not in a fight. Dude, I was, I, fuck, what was it, man? It was, and I can't remember if we were, again, like the whole like Westchester thing, like, oh, I lived in Westchester and you're like, yeah, dumbass, it's a county. We're in Westchester, but you were being polite. And I'm like, I don't know a county. So I can't remember if it was Brooklyn or the Bronx, but took my daughter to New York. She's like, want to ride the subway? And I'm like, Shiloh, you don't want to ride the subway. God, got to ride the subway. And she's eight. From Delaware, like zero city experience. And I've got limited ass city experience. I'm like, you do not want to ride the subway. Daddy, got to ride the subway. Got to ride the subway. We're going to Manhattan. And I'm like, all right, man, fuck it. We'll try it. Go down. You see the train coming up. There's a dude on the platform. All of a sudden, and it's packed, right? Like the density is hard to describe. So it's hard to see, but you hear everyone. And especially if you're not from there, I feel like you're more hyper aware to eavesdropping because you feel like you're just going to get taken advantage of in some way at some point at any instant. So out of nowhere, you just hear this. And this dude grabs another guy and throws him against the fucking wall. And he goes, and he goes, you think you're going to fucking jump in front of that train and kill yourself? I got to get to work at nine o'clock, bitch. And then everybody just leaves this dude who apparently was about to commit suicide on the wall. And everybody gets on the train and leaves him. And my daughter, Shiloh, she was like, Dad, Daddy, what is the man okay? I'm like, we don't care. Stay here. We're fine. We're going to roll on. Yeah, yeah, I expect that. And I know it, that, yeah. it was one of those things where for her, she was like, oh. And it seemed like for everyone else, it was just like, why are you trying to fuck up my train schedule? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, it, 
I can't. Yeah, do, don't it, fuck up the train. Yeah, dude, it, it's such a weird mentality for me to comprehend. I don't know. Like that's that's my, um, that's my one subway story oh, where I'm like. I'm, I was thinking. Uh, what was I trying to think of? I had something in my head. Um, uh, what is it? Wait, were you that person? Were you the one that got thrown against the wall that day? Oh no 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 no! <laughs> but you don't you don't want to mess up the subway schedule. People get really 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 mad. It's it not, seems not like it, right? Because you got to keep your job. It seemed like the dude was like, "I got to be to work at this time." Like you, that there's like subway etiquette. Like also, like don't talk, just don't talk. Yeah. And if you do talk, you whisper. Like there's like special subway etiquette. Like and don't wear a backpack. Really? Yeah. Just takes up yeah. too much room. Uh, yeah, if you're in a crowded subway, don't wear a backpack, and definitely don't put your backpack on the seat next to you if you're in a crowded subway. Right. Huh. Well, things have changed since COVID, you know. Yeah, I bet. And now you don't sit next to people anymore. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. How do but you... wait, where where were you coming from? Westchester? No, nah, dude. Again, we're in um fuck man. I, I don't remember where we were staying. I wanna say it actually was the Bronx because we came down on the subway and wound up getting off in like the, is it the Brownstones at like 120th, 130th by Harlem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So would that be the Bronx? We were across the bridge. Like I know we had to go to a bridge. It was like an old, um, we were staying in what used to be a theater that got converted to a hotel room and it had some of the coolest shops that were all closed on Sunday. Like I walked around on Sunday and everything's fucking shut down. I'm like, really? What is happening? Hmm. Oh, so, okay. One of the jobs I was working at one day, the subways weren't working. I couldn't get home. Subways weren't working. Subway to get home wasn't working. I was like, whatever. I guess I'm walking home today. Took me like two hours. I was going to say, how many blocks is that for you? It took me two hours to walk home because I had to walk over the bridge. I find out what happened. Some asshole jumped in front of the end train and his body parts dropped all over the street. That's it. Thanks a lot, asshole. You want to die, but you're going to mess up everybody's commute? (laughs) If you're going to want to kill yourself, don't mess up everybody's commute. Especially don't do it near rush hour. He did it during rush hour. Like, (laughs) for real? That's what for real. Dude. My friend, my friend texts me. I text my friend. He goes, I never had a worse commute than today. I was like, yes, somebody jumped. And he was like, fuck him. <laughs> like the most selfish act you can do in the first place. And then in the most selfish way. <laughs> it's amazing. The, um, oh my God, suicide. Where was he at mentally? Like, People are just fucking grinding in in those dense areas. And they're like, you're going to fucking kill, like, kill yourself, kill yourself, man. Don't fucking inconvenience me with your shit. You know, like, seriously, like, it's just so <laughs> such a different mentality than like Southern Delaware, man. We're, we're, we're country folk down here now, you know, but it's, it's good to be reminded of 
how other places are at the same time. Yeah. That's amazing. His body parts were everywhere. <laughs> and the reply is, fuck him. <laughs> the sensitivity. God, the sensitivity. The thing is, though, it, it happens all the time. Does it really? Isn't that frequent? There's posters and stuff. Like, yeah. I had no idea. People getting accidentally hit and everything. Dude. Why yeah. would you choose to off yourself getting hit by a train? I think because it's like 100%. Yeah, no, no fail. Yeah. <laughs> Success rate like that is. Dude's, that dude's leg was on the street. His leg was just on the street. I'm going to pivot for a moment because I had a very interesting conversation yesterday and I wanted to bring it up earlier about the weed smoking. So I've, again, reading Dope Sick, speaking some, um, I believe they refer to themselves as addicts, um, ex-heroin users, ex-opioid users. They're going to like 12-step programs. So they'll go to AA. AA gets very upset if you are like smoking weed, if you were taking other substances, there they I forget what it's called. It's um like dry. I don't think dry is the right word. But they're like they don't want mind altering substances to come to your rehabilitation. Well, the addicts or recovering addicts that I was speaking to were like, weed keeps me off of getting back to heroin. Weed keeps me off of wanting to inject myself with opioids. And I'm curious, based on what you had said with the, yeah, I smoke weed, that don't make me fucking crazy, that don't cause shit. I'm a little curious to get into your, as much as you want to, weed smoking habits and what that does for your mental wellness. Was that too wordy? I saw you were walking as I was leaving, so I was trying to buy some time. I was elaborating a little too much. Um... I just, I just, I just smoke weed whenever I feel like it. Like, <laughs> that's when I'm chilling. Like, there's really no science behind it. I mean, I don't do any harder drugs. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not driving a car. So I don't really see the big deal. So it's not like a... Because again, talking to those people who are recovering, they're like, the weed is my medication. They see pot as their medication. Instead of giving me whatever prescription drug to get me unaddicted to heroin, they'll smoke weed. And there's been a bunch of the positives of CBD and I don't know. Um, I'm, I haven't read or done enough studying on it to speak about it. I'm just kind of – that's why I was wondering – for you, is it one of those mental things or is it one of those like, like I'm drinking wine right now. Like a lot of people would associate smoking a joint, hitting a bong with like having a glass of wine, having a beer, having a cocktail. Yeah. Like that. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't get like, 
messed up and go out and make a fool of myself. It's not like I'm going to the bar, getting drunk, like looking for like dudes, getting wasted, making out crazy stuff, you know? White girl trashed. What do they call that? White yeah. girl wildin' or that, whatever? You know? <laughs> okay. I did, that was a shot in the dark. I wasn't sure if it was anything for you. I didn't mean to be like a uh, presumptuous in any way. I was just yeah. kind of curious because yesterday having that conversation, I, um, had not thought about using cannabis as a um, as like a sedative in that way, as an alternative medication to, I don't know, not only mental health, but addiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, you dumbass. <laughs> but you're being so polite. I appreciate it. <laughs> What do you like to do when you smoke? Are you a, like, do you zone out into your art? Do you get into TV shows? TV a lot. Like random TV shows. I'll watch like some Bravo Housewives sometimes. Oh. Sometimes I watch Catfish. Some of those people are so dumb. Do you ever watch Catfish? I have, I think early on, on MTV. I did it like two, three times. And then I'm like, bro, if you can't figure out a way to ask for a selfie just to make sure. Like, you should not be sending them that much money and getting engaged. The ones that send money, they're so stupid. Yeah. Just get me a Why bus ticket. Why would you ticket. send money to someone you've never FaceTimed? Because, they're dumb. because I'm going to fulfill all your dreams. I just need a bus ticket for $4,000. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come visit me. And then you go there. And then they go radio silent. But you went all that way to go visit them. And then they're not available. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like you were, this is a text relationship that you're obsessed with. Like how, like, do you not have a life that you can't actually talk to a real person in your real life that you have a text relationship and your text relationship is ruining your real life relationships? What? A texting relate? What? Do you, I don't even understand that. God, that's super interesting. What kind of relationship is a texting relationship? Oh, and I only get the photos that I've seen on his Instagram. I don't even understand. It was so stupid. A texting relationship is not a relationship. I feel like you've been hurt by a potential catfish. That's why you're... I'm not hurt by a potential catfish. (laughs) I just watched the show and I can't believe these morons. They're like... I try to date somebody new, but I always go back to Josh. Josh is on your phone, you dumbass. You've never even spoken to him on on the phone, only through text, you idiot. You're going to ruin a real relationship for this texting dumbass? All you know is his his thumbs texting. Could be a girl. Who knows? Sometimes it's girls. Sometimes it's Dateline. Oh, my God. Dateline is the best. Do you ever see, like, the number one, like, number one watched one was the guy that showed up with the pizza pie, and then he just starts, as Chris Hansen's talking to him, he's like, can I eat some pizza? And the guy just starts eating the pizza that he brought. That's, like, the number one watched one. It's so funny. And he's, like, he's like getting, like, re- reamed, like, you said this, you said this, you said this, and he's, like, nodding and chewing and eating the pizza, like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. it's fucking hilarious. What the fuck is wrong with people, man? Like, why? You need to. It's like. At least he brought a pizza. I mean, at least he showed up with a pizza. Like, he's kind of a good guy. Because it's a pizza, not a six pack and a couple joints, like they normally do. 
<laughs> I love when they show up with the six pack. Like you knew you were meeting a thirteen year old, and you showed up with a six pack. But it's light beer. And you showed up with condoms and lubricant? Oh, we were just going to talk. Then why do you have the condoms and lubricant? Um, I just carry that around with me. She had questions, and I wanted to make sure that she knew how to protect herself. Why did you say at uh, this time, um, I would love to take your panties off? Why would you say that? Oh, it was just a joke. I was just joking about that. It wasn't real. Um, what about this next line then? <laughs> well, Chris, I was her sanitation, and I don't know if you understand what she's been through. And then they just always start fucking sobbing on themselves, right? And like they just start. And they think they're free when they leave the door. They think they're free when they leave, and then That's they get the attacked worst. and like tased and shit. They're like all That's handcuffed, the like like they're like this guy came, ate some pizza, goes outside, and Dude. he's like. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a million cops, like, Dude, that, That's actually the most fucked up part if you think about it. So the cops are waiting to get these fucking pervs, but they're like, no, 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 Chris, you set it up. You get them for the first hour. And then we'll just take that shit afterwards. They think they're free to go. No, 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 they are not free to go. Could you imagine? They're about to get ambushed. They're about to get Dude, tased. Those like, repentive fucks are like i'll never again oh thank you thank you like he's jesus himself that just cleansed all of their sins and they walk out thinking sunlight i love when that when they first walk in and like the kids like oh help yourself to some lemonade i'm gonna go get changed no doubt okay like if somebody ever says help yourself to some lemonade run get the through the don't even actually run jump out the fucking window don't yeah, no, don't trust anyone that says help yourself to some lemonade. Chris Hansen's around the corner. Do you think you those some, are... You showed up at the wrong place. If someone says help yourself to some lemonade, you're at the wrong house. Would you let your kid be the one that comes out and says help yourself to some lemonade? I don't think I would. Like, like is that Chris Hansen's granddaughter? Are those well, his no, nieces? Well, no, it's always actors that, it's actors that are, look young. No, yeah, but, right, but like that's just... Doesn't that fuck with you if you're waking up in the morning being like, oh, what's my job today? Well, I'm hoping to play this very naive, youthful-looking, innocent 13-year-old so that a sexual predator feels comfortable sitting on my kitchen counter while he waits for me to change. Like, that would... I don't know if I want someone in that mental mind state going to work. I don't know. I'm taking the money. Probably got paid a lot of money, like union. Yeah, you union stuff doing that. You're yeah. like, shit, man, I was making 25 for a website. Can I get 45 to be 13? Like union rate, SAG or something. Get the SAG? <laughs> you know, that'd be awesome if you, like, on the way out, you just, like, slapped the dude with your SAG card on the ass and you were like, thanks, bitch. <laughs> My first roommate when I moved to New York City, he was an actor and he got into SAG by being one of those people on Law and Order that discovers the dead body at the beginning of the episode in the back of the in his uh, trunk of his car. No way. Yeah, he discovered a dead body in the trunk of his car and that little scene got him into SAG. That's all you need is like, how long was he on screen for? A minute. Less. A minute. 
Did he get? It was like, honey, why'd you leave the trunk open? Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And did he get paid for that? Of course he got paid for that. So you have to get paid to be a side person. He was person. on two Law and Orders. He was on a Law and Order like a like the regular one doing that, and then he was on SVU, and he played a guy in a ventilator because his picture was used. But then his character was never used, but he got beat up so hard that he's in the hospital on a ventilator. And you know, Ice T is on that show. Yeah. Ice T said, "Him hope they hook that up to some chronic." <laughs> So that's how he was on SVU too, but just in a hospital bed, except for his photo on the photo board of like the suspect shit. Right. Yeah. That's exactly why. Are those like, was that his apex? Was that his peak of his acting career? Do you know? Pretty much. That's what I know of. I haven't seen him in anything. Dude, that's tough, man. You you go to New York and you get a total of like fifty eight seconds of screen time on two different shows. You're like forty grand in the hole, and you're just like, "Fuck it, man. The dream was worth it." (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! Do you think God? Now now we're just like just getting. I'm just getting stupid bullshit. And so I, I coach middle school basketball, and um. I've done it long enough now to be around the fathers who are like, yeah, yeah, I could have been, but, and there's all these dudes that could have been to the NBA, but whatever. Right. And you're just like, you got to fucking placate it. Well, I, but you're too short. Yeah, exactly. But. Or like, but you, whatever, smoke too much, but, but you refuse to work out, but you just ate like shit, but you never, whatever. Um, but I wonder if actors are the same way. Like, does he look at his law and order ordeal and he's like you know i actually had an audition to be the next batman but ben affleck was fucking in front of me in line man and he just read the lines or some shit like that like do you think actors have the butt complex i don't know i have no idea i don't know i know i've known a lot of people that do all that background kind of a deal and they try to get those principal roles. I mean, it's a lot of people to compete with. Right. There's a lot of competition. So it it ain't easy. Did you ever try to get into that? No, I've done a paid audience before, but that's, that's it. And I went, I went to the audience of Kelly and Ryan one time. (laughs) Paid audience. Yeah, you do. There was a show on true TV called True Comedy Knockout and you you had to be in the audience for two shows and got paid 50 bucks to sit there and just watch the show and like laugh on cue or what well we had to pretty much yeah we, we did have to laugh on cue because they filmed us from so many and it was almost funny to just fake laugh so it was hilarious <laughs> to fake laugh like Did it get to the point where you were trying to like outdo the people to the left and right of you so that you would like maybe get like the screenshot? Yeah, it was funny to fake laugh, but we were there for like four hours and made $50. I was like, well, yeah, that's not that's about one time I went to an AOL build. There's something called AOL build and I made 30 bucks for an hour. I'm like, that's pretty nice. 
I don't know who they interviewed. It was some sort of Disney, Disney something, a Disney person, but I don't know. Some girl. I don't know who she was. AOL, like American Online? Yeah, they have a show or something. See, those are the stupid little money-making jobs that make people want to move to New York. Because they, like, you hear about that (laughs) shit and you're like, that's, where else do you fucking find that? That's true. Right? That's true. Holy shit, paid audience. $50 for four hours, 30 bucks for an hour. I remember I told some people, I told like I was taking like uh, some coding class and I said something like that I did this thing for like a uh, true comedy knockout, $50 for the next class. The girl said, or like maybe it was she goes, I went four times. I'm like, you went four times? You did it for that many hours? She's like, I needed some money. Is it hard to get in? Or is it just like- No, you wait online. That's it. And then you're like, you. It, it's they, not like. They, as long as you get it, you just, you, yeah. They, I have no idea if that show's even on anymore. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Um, but it's kind of sad. Like, I appreciate you taking me behind the curtain. But it's kind of sad. Like, you would expect the studio audience to um, be genuine. The website to go to, there was a website I can't remember the name of it, but that's, it's pretty much, it was either like you, it's all these paid audience or, or some of them are not paid audience. You could just sign up and get them. I forgot what the website is, okay. but um, it's either New York or LA pretty much. Yeah. Right. I mean those, so like my mind immediately went to like the price is right and you just see them and they're just fucking going ape shit whenever they get called. Right. Like that's their. Yeah. Like the good stuff is hard to get into. Like we tried to go to Trevor Noah, but that was like impossible. Yeah, right? Like the Tonight Show and all that kind of stuff or Saturday Night Live and all those like... Yeah, that's those are not paid. <laughs> yeah, those are all straight up genuine and you're like concert ticket kind of a thing, right? No, you don't pay for them. No, yeah, but I guess when I say concert ticket, I'm thinking like... You got, yeah, but you got to get the ticket, yeah. Yeah, and you got to almost like... Is, is camp out the wrong word? Or you got to like stake a spot or know someone to make sure that you get in. Well, no, if you have the, the, the definite ticket, you definitely get in as long as you show up on time, okay. but you can always be standby. And if you want to be standby, you've got to show up like two hours early. Gotcha. God, the knowledge. Mm-hmm. This is why, this is why New Yorkers get so pissed when people ask them for directions and they look down at the dumb motherfuckers that come to the city. Cause they're like, it's common sense. It's common sense. Everyone knows this. I love how you can speak about it matter-of-factly and you've been so kind to not call me out on my stupid shit. Although I kind of wish you would call me out on my stupid shit because I'd like to get more of your New York personality. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you've been saying the stupid shit. No, I feel like sometimes I get a little um, ignorant to uh, circumstances. But maybe, that's, maybe I have some sort of complex in my own head that uh, makes me feel that way. Maybe. Yeah. If I was going to (laughs) self-diagnose. God, man. Talk. All right. um, And I don't want to, it doesn't have to be too deep or anything, but I do want to get to know a little more about how you started your, do I call it a company? Do I call it a brand? I don't want to get you into tax issues. Are you like an LLC? Yes, a brand. I don't know. I guess. A brand? Company. Like, like. Clothing and lifestyle brand. Clothing and lifestyle brand. Your entrepreneurial ship. Um, I'm just curious, what was the moment when you were like, 
you know what, dude, I'm just going to like, I'm going to see if I can make this work. Cause to me, that has to be scary as hell. It was scary for me to try. And I'm, I don't know. Like, I think I've made, actually, I don't think, I know I've made $103 and 50 cents on my podcast. So I'm still $146 and 50 cents in the hole <laughs> to break even. But it would, it's, it was scary for me as an individual to say like, yeah, I'm just, I have this idea. I'm going to try to take this weird thing and make it tangible and try to market it and try to put it out there. And I'm curious what got you to the spot that you were like, Hey man, I'm cool with like putting myself out there and making a brand. I, I just, I was sick of working for other people. It wasn't working out and I was sick of having a secret. I just wanted it to be out there, just be known. And I just, I just took a deep breath and went for it. I just, uh, everyone was kind of telling me it was ridiculous, but I just, just, just did it anyway. People were like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. People thought it was a terrible idea. Are you serious? I like, it's, what? it's a fucking awesome idea. No, I was told, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to do this? Were they trying to say that out of a place of like love that you would be like stigmatized, not hireable kind of some bullshit like that? Yeah. Like, are you ever going to get a job again? Oh, uh, cause if someone Googles you then all of a sudden you're the girl that's schizophrenic and yeah. Fuck. Dude, how did you overcome that? I proved everybody wrong. <laughs> fucking New Yorker. <laughs> but I mean, like to click, no, I, I, I mean, maybe you're just that much of a badass. Like to me, it would be really hard to hear that and continue to step forward, I guess is my thinking, like to push publish. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I push publish a bunch of times and I'm like, dude, you might've had too much to drink on this podcast. Maybe you should not publish this shit, you know? And I guess that's what I'm thinking about you is, to hear that unsupport, unsupportive comments. Yeah. Like it would, to me, it would make it very much hard to push publish and be like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'm going to post and I'm going to keep posting. I just, I just thought it was a good idea. So I did it. That's really, really, really all it was. I just, I just wanted to do it. So I did it. Dude, that's awesome to have that kind of fortitude. Mm-hmm. Is there, I don't know. And what's feedback been like from other people who are schizophrenic? Like, are people feeling like, thank yous? Do you get messages, emails like that? Like, appreciate the support, appreciate the voice kind of a thing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, people do like the support. People like that I'm telling my story. Um, it's like somebody to kind of look up to you like if you get diagnosed you find somebody and you can see that like you know your your life isn't over you know you don't just have to live a terrible you know because when you first get diagnosed you kind of think like oh what am I gonna do this is so terrible oh wait look at this girl she's schizophrenic and she's living her own life running her own brand doing great so if she can do it maybe I can do it too just to inspire others why do you think it comes with the stigma of life is over just because ignorant that's what, that's what the media shows us that's the movies we see that's everything like that you know there's like books like surviving schizophrenia you know that everyone reads and it says like schizophrenia is equal to madness schizophrenia you know 
people don't understand. And then there's doctors that, you know, just think they know everything and they just, they don't. They say like, you know, brain disease, brain disease, you know, when mental illness are trying to say no mental illness and they're saying brain disease, brain disease, mm. like stop, like stop trying to like dude, do that. Dude, I've, um, I've gotten into this with a couple parents. So I'm, I'm a middle school teacher. I taught special education and typically children, um, will get diagnosed with a learning disability at like mm-hmm. kindergarten to first grade. So I get mm-hmm. them five years later, right? In like sixth grade, seventh grade. Yeah. And I'll be like, dude, your kid ain't got no learning disability. And people will be like, no, 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 no. He's slow. No, 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 He He's always needed extra help. And you're like, you might need a kick in the ass. You might need some accountability, but the boy ain't stupid. But then as those kids that I've taught get older, and now that I speak to them as like grown adults, the things they tell me about the label of, do you know since the age of six, I've been told I have a learning disability? Do you know what that did to my confidence mm-hmm. when I had to learn? Every I had to go to meetings and I had to listen to people who don't know me tell me I am disabled in learning. And they're like, I, they can't express what that did to them. <laughs> but they're like, well, they, they are expressing it, but it's hard for me to understand because no one's ever said I'm learning disabled. But then when you think about it, you're like, dude, what kind of limits are you putting on someone with that fucking label of learning disabled and you grow up with it? And I'm surprised that you're talking about like brain disease. That just seems so fucking crude. Mm-hmm. It seems terrible. Did I, did I make you mad? Am I? No, that's right. I wasn't sure. I was just trying to relate to it because I think wording is so important to issues like that. Like the, what you fucking call things really does affect the people that are then dealing with those things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, um, like, uh, like I, I was very bad at English class. And a lot of it was, I wasn't good at reading because I could read, I can read, but a lot of it is reading will set off a delusion because like, you know, you start reading, you start kind of visualizing what's happening as you're reading. But for me, that just sets off like a hallucination and then it makes it very difficult to read. So therefore, if I would try to write an essay about a book I couldn't read, I just wouldn't write the essays. And it was like, can you not write? Can you not read? Can you not do this? And I was just like, do you have a learning disability? The thing is, I also had no idea how to write an essay. It was never explained to me. And then I finally get to college. I have this amazing uh, composition teacher that all she did was explain proper grammar and how to write an essay the proper way. And I got A's in her class. Yeah. All through my learning from sixth grade to 12th grade, I did terrible in English class. I just needed a teacher to break down how to do it. Yeah. What the fuck are the parts, man? <laughs> yeah. Cause everything, every teacher would just confuse me. So then you write a sentence like this, then you write two sentences that support it. Like, I don't get that. Just tell me, tell me what you're supposed to say. 
don't like what is supporting it supposed to mean? I don't I don't understand these rules that you're making up. Like these rules don't make any sense. What does like give me examples? Like once I learned proper grammar, I learned how to form an essay. Right. I never knew how to how to write well. Write good. I'm sorry, your grammar was wrong there. It's write gooder. Okay, write gooder. No, I'm just kidding. That was me being a dick. Um, I know. <laughs> that was when I expected you to come back at me with some fire, New York fire. No, it's not. I um, get you. Dude, that's but... I Yeah, that's something where again, I just as a teacher, it's it's one of those things where I'm seeing it now cuz I'm getting older where kids who struggle in school, it's not cuz they don't have the skills or the abilities. They haven't been met where they're at. Like you hadn't found the proper breakdown to help them overcome whatever the obstacle is. Cause for a lot of kids, it's not a trigger word that makes them go do things, but there's a speed bump word that's slowing them down where if you could just call it something else or frame it in another way, they would be like, Oh shit, that's all you wanted me to do. Sure. <laughs> and they would just yeah, do I mean, it. It's just, just the reframing. And also I never learned grammar. I never learned any grammar. Like literally subject verb agreement type stuff, grammar? Never learned any of it. Your parents didn't love you enough to send you to Catholic school? No, I just didn't. The thing, no, I, and it was just funny because this woman that taught me the grammar would just say, this is grammatically correct. This is why it's grammatically correct. And then she would write, have a sentence of doing it wrong and how ridiculous it can sound. Oh. <laughs> like this is why, you know? Huh. I was like, oh, I see now. This makes sense. When it used to be, well, I, think I did kind of just like, here's the sentence. Find the incorrect part. Oh, yeah, I hate that shit. And it was always like, it, but it, it, um, the incorrect part was usually like the easiest thing. Yeah. It was like I was being taught like child, like first grade grammar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like, very, it's know. belittling almost. It's it almost yeah. too easy. Yeah, it's like playing a sport. And you said you were a lacrosse player. It'd be like, so my daughter, dude, my daughter went to a, a um, tell me if this is not fucked up, just as a side note, um, went to a field hockey camp. Field hockey is very similar to lacrosse. Um, most of the girls in field hockey, which is the fall sport in Delaware, then play lacrosse, which is a spring sport in Delaware down here. And the positions are very similar. The way the ball moves, very similar. Um, but anyway, the age bracket. Guess the age bracket that my rising fifth grader, what was, let me ask you this. What was the oldest girl playing in the game that my rising fifth grader, 10 years old, played against? 13. Uh, 19, college freshman. I got to the how, field. How no, does that make any sense? No, dude, I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like the, the, Kids, the ladies, the girls, they're women. <laughs> the women that were going to college <laughs> to, like, are playing with girls who are going to fifth grade. And when you were talking about your grammar, school can get that way sometimes where you almost get insulted, where you're like, why are you belittling? Why would I try? What is the point of me being here? This is stupid. And I could see it on the older girls' faces when these little fifth grade girls, sixth grade girls are running around trying to like do the right thing. But it's like, nah, man, you're just in the way. Like, like, da, 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 da. And it takes all of the intensity and I don't know why they were even playing each other. Dude, it was horrible. It was horrible. That's horrible. The biggest time. What a waste of time. For, for everyone. So 
for everyone, right? Yeah. Yes. Dude, 100%. When we found that out, we were like, dude, I'm done with that club. But it, it made me think of your grammar thing where it's like you would have to give for someone to learn. You would have to give like on what is their level. Let them get that level of grammar exercise. You can't give them easy shit like dog ate, bush, now, go, pee. And you're like, huh, make that better. Okay. Too much. I just went too far with the analogy. No, you're right, you're right. But like, I don't know, man. It, um, it's also, I hate Bill Jockey. I think it's stupid as fuck. Stop. Why? We were the ball girl. We were the ball girls for Bill Jockey. What do the ball girls do for field hockey? Throw the ball in when they when it goes out of bounds. Oh. <laughs> How come and you I, didn't play, I dude? Trying to figure out what the point of this game was. Why are they all hunched over as they run? Such bad posture. Such bad posture. That's why the Queen of England made lacrosse popular because she didn't like the women hunching over while they played field hockey. She liked the women standing upright. Is that like a true thing? Yes, it is. Oh. That's why lacrosse was brought to England. Tell me, uh, and I want to get back to shit, but now I want to know about your sports because if people could see the passion in your eyes <laughs> when you said that. Um, what was your uh, lacrosse career like? I played in high school. I played in college. No way. Post-collegiate in the city. And then I do none now. Like college scholarship or club? Not college scholarship, but not club, D3. Okay. And what was your position in lacrosse? Low defense. Low, Low defense. De so I always thought it was just three people on defense, three middies, and two forwards. Am I wrong about that? You're completely wrong about that. Good. Educate me. Um, well, things have changed since I've played, but it used to be, um, three low defenders, two, well, four midfielders, two are defensive, two are attackish, but the, that can kind of go either way. One center and then three high attack. Oh, wow. Yeah. I am completely wrong about that. Yeah. And what'd you like about being the low defender? Oh, I hated being the low defender, but it's what I do. <laughs> How did you get stuck there, dude? How did you not move? Why did you hate it? When all else fails, you must have the lowest defender before you're a goalie. Okay. And then I have to be somebody who can handle anything. And that was me. I can handle a 2v1 easily. Uh... I have broken so many 2v1s. And if you can do that, there you go. Because I'm being, you have to put the person that you can trust the most. If somebody was lower than me and I got beat, I would not trust anybody but myself to be in that position. So if I saw somebody else there, I would go, oh, no, what are they going to do? I had to be the lowest defender. Like when I was like a freshman, I wasn't the lowest defender. When I was a sophomore, I wasn't the lowest defender. But then that lowest defender graduated. And then who's the lowest defender? My knee. There was me. And I got all conference uh, junior year. As a D3 player, all conference, huh? Or are you talking about high school? No, 
um, college. Wow. Dude, that's legit. Why did you hate it? If you, you seem to embrace it. I love lacrosse, but the lowest defender, because if you mess up, Uh, then it's on the goalie. So basically I got to stop that. I got to, because everybody else, it's running, 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 running all over the field. My energy is spent when it's in the defense. So I need to control the whole entire thing. And if I make a mistake, it's, it's kind of on me. Yeah. And it's a goal. But I'm the one is... in charge. Gotcha. So it, it's just, it's just a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Gotcha. Playing lowest defender. Huh. What position would you have wanted to play? I would have just rather have our other, our, the one that graduated, just be back. <laughs> Interesting. And what did you do in New York with it? Were there like different clubs in New York? It had to be like indoor, right? Or are there outdoor lacrosse leagues in in New York? Yeah, it's outdoor. Seriously? Where do they find mm-hmm. the space? There's field space. Central Park? Or is that just me being ignorant ass tourist? Uh well there's we, we would practice sometimes in Central Park, but there's like space around like there's different fields all over there's fields all over the city. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the clubs. Like super competitive, just going out for a good time and some beers afterwards? There's one really competitive club that you have to be like really, really good to be in. But like, I don't even know who does that. But like those people are just too serious. Like, I don't know why you're going to be like a pro lacrosse player. You're not going to make any money. What's the point? Um, But we would just play club or like do like there was like a Sunday league the thing is, it was, it was more fun when I was younger, and then I kept getting older, and younger girls kept coming, and then they were getting better and better than me. And I was like, then I hurt my knee. Oh. So. It's always an injury, right? Like, you get that injury, and you're like, do I want to be incapacitated to keep doing this, or should I just, like, hit a treadmill and jog a mm. little bit? Yeah, so I haven't played in a while, but whatever. Do you miss the competitive outlet? Not really. Really? I'm surprised. Dude, to get to a fucking D3 college level, like you're, you have to be competitive to get that high. Yeah. (laughs) But you don't miss it. (laughs) That's where. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Okay. Maybe on the Zoom, you just look like you're 25. So I apologize. I thought you were just straight out of college. My fault. No. (laughs) Okay. Now I've always, um, I was not any sort of, any sort of athlete. So I'm always curious when people jump high school to college, you're good. Like you've put in work. You have an extra gear that the majority of people don't. So I always wonder where that energy goes when it's taking away from the sport, which is why I was curious. 
and into into work, I guess. Yeah, because it's just as thrilling to make graphic designs as it is to stop a two v one. Can <laughs> I don't know how to pivot, but I will from there. Um, to swing the ball around, I had not. I did not know that reading can set off delusions, reading literature. I mean, for some people, it does to me. That's in like movies as well, or just the reading? Like if you were watching TV shows, if you were watching movies, does your mind go off in that way? Or did it go off in that way? Or was it just books? Well, I think books do it even more. Why do you think that is? You read a book, you're supposed to start imagining what you're reading. But then, uh, then I don't know what I'm reading anymore. And like, just sometimes like a really big book is very overwhelming. Because why? It makes me anxious, like a really big book. Like The Grapes of Wrath, I'm not reading that. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mm-mm. But what about all the pages makes you anxious? That I just don't think I can finish it. Hmm. There is something to that, man. Like I finished the book Dope Sick. It was 309 pages and I hit like 220 and it was like I hit a fucking wall. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I just want to give it up. I got enough where I could say something at a cocktail party and sound somewhat intelligent. But then part of me was like, fuck it, man. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to finish. And dude, it was a grind. Harry Potter. Like, why are those books 400 pages? Yeah. Like, really? Like, really? 400 pages in a book? Are you are you for real with that? Like, lady, come on. Super creative. And then not, not only just 400 pages in that book, wasn't it like 8 to 10 books? Dude, I stopped. I, I read the up to the fourth one, and then I was like, I can't do this anymore. Dude, you read I just can't of them? do this anymore. I, and I couldn't even follow after a while. It was like, it's so long. I, don't, I can't even keep up with what this thing is talking about. There's a million different freaking characters. Yeah, that's what gets you, the plot twists and the characters. <clears throat> no Harry Potter. How is reading setting off delusions and you're like into Harry Potter? To me, like, I'm I would not Harry Potter. I can't stand Harry Potter. You read three to four books of it. The How first you- three I had to read in school. So it was forced. First three. I, I was in sixth grade when, when the books became popular. Oh. Okay. When I had to, that's when I was trying to read, when, when I had a lot of forced reading. Forced reading. Gotcha. Of certain books. There's a lot of anger there for you. It's so stupid. You must read this book, and we must go through every single chapter and find all of the symbols. Just go to sparknotes.com. It tells you every single symbol, describes it all for you, and then don't go to class. What's the point? Sparknotes <laughs> will tell you every symbol in two seconds, not going through every symbol for the entire 40 minutes of class. I don't want to guess the symbols. Just tell me the symbols. I don't need to guess them. 
Did you just encourage sixth graders to skip class and instead of going to class, go to Sparknotes? Um, yes. Because you know when you're in class and the teacher's like, what's the answer? What's the answer, guys? Think about it. Think about it. What's the answer? Just Google it. Really? No, no. I'm just, come on. I'm really curious, what was one of the books you read that kind of triggered some of your delusions? Was there one in particular that you were like, man, that was just terrible? I don't know, any book. But like Harry Potter didn't? It might have, but I was so young, I have no idea. Shit, dude, I didn't even think about that. That's how ignorant I am. How, like, do you remember your, like, is there an origin story? Because I've been watching a lot of, like, Marvel comics. For the delusions, or can't tell? I know, like, in sixth grade, I started staring out the window a lot. And staring out the window and making up my own pretend whatever, because I was so bored in class. <laughs> and you take that as could be a possible start? Mm-hmm. Really? God. In sixth grade, that's like 11, 12 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, that's so tough. And uh, again, just from the empathetic standpoint of a lot of those kids get chastised for not paying attention, right? Pay attention, mm-hmm. focus, focus, try. And like, that's all they hear. And I'm in my head where I'm going is like the conflict within you of trying to not saying you're a pleaser, but trying to please obey, comply with the teacher, but having those urges, um, what a fucking conundrum for someone to deal with that young. Do I, am I really bad at asking questions or the, like, I don't mean to make it awkward if you don't want to talk about these things. Should we get like a signal? Just put up the middle finger cause no one will see it. And like, I'll ask something else or, is it no, okay to be asking this? I, I don't want to make no. it weird. Yeah, it's fine. Um, no, I, I don't think I was trying to please. I remember my teacher said, Michelle, you have to pay attention, not look out the window. And I said, I'm bored. I straight up said I was bored, but. But do. Is that like a delusional thing or is that just a you're really intelligent and the class is going too slow thing? I have no idea. But I know I like I give an example like in ninth grade, like something that I would do was I would just I'll laugh to myself because I'll start thinking of things and I'll just start laughing like really like just forget where I am and I'll think I'm somewhere else. But in ninth grade, I remember I'm sitting in the back of my physics class and I just start bursting into laughter and not realizing it. And a girl a few seats ahead turns around and goes, "Are you okay?" And I go, "What?" She goes, "What are you laughing?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." And you really didn't know? I had no idea.
I'm just curious, man. And I, again, I just feel, I feel like I'm going to asking questions. I feel like I'm going to be a dick and I'm not really trying to be a dick, but I'm just so curious about what that does because I'm aware, I'm aware of how hard middle school and high school is. Mm -hmm. And when people are asking you that sort of thing, is it just removing you further and further from those social circles? So I guess I'm assuming that most people want to be accepted into a social circle of sorts in high school, in school. Mm -hmm. And that's where my mind goes is those comments just make you want to be a little more reclusive. No, I didn't really realize what was happening. So it was just kind of like, whatever. I don't know. I kind of just did my own thing not really realizing what was going on. I was super paranoid, but I didn't know that I was paranoid. So I just, just kept to myself, had a few friends. I don't know. Just really, just, 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 I don't know. Paranoid about being made fun of? Just everything. Yeah. Made fun of or not cool enough or not pretty enough to not skinny enough, not anything enough. So. So it didn't matter if anyone was saying anything. I would already think they were saying something. So. It didn't really matter. I would assume if you're on. Dude, if you're going to be a D3 lacrosse player, like. You're athletic. You're working out. Like you got to have some sort of skills, even freshman year, to be on that kind of track. It's interesting that that could be in your mind when you're on pace to be a college lacrosse player. You're worried about skinny enough being accepted, but you're kicking ass on a team. It almost seems like a little contradiction. Not saying you're wrong or anything, but just. It's an interesting contradiction to me of what like a stereotype would be. I don't know. Um, our lacrosse team wasn't even really good. It was just fun. <laughs> like in, in high school. You know? Gotcha. So it wasn't like the schools. So our school down here, it's one of those things they had like Chicks with six sticks getting six. They won like <clears throat> in Delaware, small anyway, but it was like seven or eight like straight state championships. So it becomes this like thing where the girls that roll into those roles are like feeling that pressure of do you want to be on the team that loses the state championship and stops the streak? So I guess that's where my like lacrosse culture comes from, from that kind of a uh, background. Oh no! Our um, our our school was more about um football. Like, do you know? Um, do you remember Ray Rice on the Ravens? Yeah, I went to high school with him. Oh no way! Yeah. Interesting. And I guess having a dude like that would make it very easy to be about football at a high school. Yeah, we we won states and a bunch of like like twice i think or states and then one year he um he 
dislocated his shoulder so he didn't win states. But basically, everybody knew him. Everybody knew he was going pro. Right. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. dude, when like athletes pop at a high school level, they just pop. Like it's a different breed of person. Yeah, he was he was one of the he's he's not a tall guy, but he is one of the most muscular people I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> yeah. His arm was unreal. <laughs> the thickness of his arm. Um, did you have any classes with him? No, I didn't. No, no. Cause you I were... was on sports teams with my brother. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got that athletic family. Mm-hmm. What did you, why did you get into sports? What did you find appealing about it? I thought it was fun. It was just usually good at them. So it's fun. I was curious because you wonder about athletes and outlets and the way you were talking about being the last resort with two on one. I almost took that as like anxiety, not so much as like not savior but like the challenge and the competitive to win. Like it almost seemed like it messed with you a little bit to be like that backline defender. And that's why I was curious about sports, mental health. Does it, a lot of people would say, you know, go for a jog, go work out. It helps you feel better, right? Go play, helps your social circles. But it almost seemed to do a little bit of um, a different thing for you. Or am I again, being a shitty shrink and overanalyzing that? No, no, I think it, it really kept me in line. It kept me doing the things that I was supposed to do. Really, structure was very helpful. Okay. Yeah. It, it worked. Because I had to have a clear head when I was playing, because I had to have a, know what was going on and read the situation, because everything has a, a place where it's going. You have to read every angle of how people are running. Right. That sounds so similar to what you were talking about with your art, where it just makes you focus on those so minute details. It like drowns out other things. Mm -hmm. Was there a first time that you were aware that you were actually having a delusion? Like where the reality blurred? No. Really? Mm-mm. I so would have thought there would have been like a watershed moment where you were like, holy shit, that was, that was a delusion. Well, yeah, I guess when I was 18, I mean, growing up, I thought like, you know, I was paranoid and I thought my mom was trying to like, you know, hurt me when she was trying to get me help. And I thought she was trying to just sabotage a lot of stuff. I had these all these like thoughts about her. So when I went to college, I thought like I was gone. I was free of her. And then everything's fine for a while. And then for some reason, my roommate, my best friend, I started thinking all those paranoid thoughts all about her. And then I realized, oh, okay, she wouldn't be thinking all those things about me. It really was me the whole time. I was paranoid. I was the one with the problem. <laughs> 
So the only reference point I have is, <clears throat> and I'm, I, I don't know if you've heard this before, and again, you can punch me, slap me with a lacrosse stick, whatever. The, the beautiful mind reference point of like figures or even Mr. Brooks with Kevin Costner where there's like figures that these sounds take on for schizophrenics. I've been very interesting that you refer to it as paranoia. Not that you're wrong or anything like that, but it's, it seems like it's more like thoughts, like your own voice in your head versus what I've seen in media be a completely different person coercing the schizophrenic person to do shit. Was that clunky to ask? Um, no, but, I mean, the thing is, I think a lot of people say is that it's, you don't really see like a total person. I mean, some people that I speak to, I think they do see like a legit person, but a lot of people don't see like a full exact person, but it really depends on just who you are. Um, I kind of just go somewhere else. Like people don't enter my world. I enter their world or I just have thoughts in my head that are just intrusive. It's just intrusive thoughts or just escape from reality situations. Why did that affect your work so much? That doesn't seem that bad. Because like um, anxiety would affect it um, or coming in late because of meds making me hard to wake up in the morning or talking to myself saying, oh, I was on the phone. Oh, why were you on the phone? And how do I explain that? Or just cognitive skills of not understanding what's going on socially, things like that. And a lot of it, a lot of it was just anxiousness, making me like not work well. Because I was too scared that it was going to come out bad. Like, oh, they're going to hate it. 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 Really? Mm-hmm. Man, that's completely opposite to what I thought the self-talk would be. Do you see it as self-talk or do you see it as other people or some other being entity? talking to you, fucking with you. It's just mean, intrusive thoughts of some horribly mean person. I don't know if it's me who's mean or if it's somebody else who's mean. It's just a mean, horrible thought that tries to get you to believe how terrible you are. And you have to fight it because if you believe it, then it, it'll make you do whatever it makes you do. Yeah, that's so, that really is, man. That's so anti what my ignorance is to schizophrenia. Because again, like I, I just go to, it's another, it's a total another voice. It's a total another even if you don't visualize the person, you just, it would be like my male voice and then all of a sudden the female voice coming in my head. 
telling me things and getting me to go somewhere. It, I'm very surprised at the role anxiety is playing in this. And I don't know why, but I am surprised because just getting to know what have we been talking for like two hours now, man? Like you're fucking skilled, right? Like you're fucking skilled, dude. You're a D3 athlete. You're an artistic person. You're very intelligent. It's, it's interesting that you, someone like you would have with those qualities, anxiety. Yeah, yeah. No well, judgment, Jew, man. I got that Jew in me. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean it as like shade or anything. I guess. No, I. No, I know. I know. Like, like from again the outside stereotypical stuff. It's just like wow that you do not expect that. I know. I know. How do you feel about taking meds? Um, well, I wish I didn't have to take them, but I'm all for them. Why do you wish you didn't have to take them? Because I wish I wasn't dependent on something in order to live my best life. But I understand that I need them and that I'm better with them, so I take them. How long did it take you to come to that realization? Four years. <laughs> oh, shit. What was that like, dude? Like... Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Who did you trust enough to get you to the spot where you were going to regularly take them? Melacross coach in college. No way. Mm-hmm. What was that conversation like? Well, it was, it was kind of like, like take your meds or don't be on the team anymore. Wow. Yeah. And so what was going on prior to that led the coach? Oh, I would, I, I would constantly get in trouble, like constantly. Because my coach would say things to me like, I wish I could cut you, but I can't cut you because you're too good. So what does that do in my head? I can do whatever I want to do. Reinforces, yeah. Mm -hmm. that, so all four years – when you say it was a four-year thing, like you're talking freshman to senior year? Yeah, so senior year I finally decided I was going to take my meds. Because your lacrosse coach was like, pop a like, pill like, or be the fuck out. I wasn't going to deal with it anymore. What were you doing that was so fucking just disruptive? Just always disruptive all the time. Or anger, mad, frustration, yelling, or like just... just and just, and she would say, she's like, I can see you. She goes, you don't play the same. You play different. Play different when you're on meds or play different in the game when you're just hyper-focused? 
no, I off like uh, like if I wasn't doing the right schedule with my meds and I showed up to uh, practice feeling really weird, I wouldn't play the same. Gotcha. Okay. So you were still trying to figure out whatever the right treatment was for you for that four years, or you were resistant to just consistently taking them? Just consistently taking them and finding the right medication. And because, and so this goes to my point of, like, I want to say you're a fucking hyper competitive, man. Like you ain't no bitch. You would be like, fuck you. Right. Like I can beat you. I'm better. At, mm-hmm. I, I see the smirk and I feel like that's somewhat correct. I don't know how much is that you, New York, whatever. Is that why doing the meds was so difficult? Cause you saw it as like an L like you were just taking the defeat. Kind of. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I could do this. I don't need this. I can do this. Every, I'm just a little bit weird. Everyone's just a little bit different. I could just be a little different. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need them. I don't need them. I don't need them. I don't need them. Um, I did. And what was it like after a practice or after a game or in the middle of practice, the coach calls you out in public and it's like going back to that public shaming of the wrist incident where you're like, no, it was just, just a conversation that we had. What in the conversation made you accept it? What was it about the conversation? Because I'm sure the conversation been having had for four years at that point. <laughs> Why was this one different? Because I think I accepted it and I was ready. I was ready to just live my best life. And I wasn't going to feel shame for it anymore. Mm. How much did being a senior and like the thought of, fuck, man, I got to go into the quote unquote real world play into it at all? I wasn't really thinking about the real world. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So then coach tells you and then we're go in four or five years, you're going through those jobs. And then you actually publicly declare through your brand. Hey man, this is what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. God. How much of an asshole am I to make you relive this and talk about this? That's fine. Are you sure? Like, mm-hmm. um, what's your relationship like with your coach current? Like, do you keep in touch with her? I do. She just sent me um, her uh, baby and baby announcement. She just had a kid. We talk sometimes. She moved to California. She was coaching out there, but she's not anymore. Gotcha. Did you ever think about getting into coaching? Yeah, I got my coaching license, but I never actually did it. I actually I coached fifth graders before, um, like. Two, three years. I coached fifth graders. Okay. It was fun. Yeah, right? Like, that's a great age, man. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm very curious about the understanding your coach displayed to the understanding of bosses with 
the traits you're displaying. So if you decide to continue to medicate and like, all right, man, coach told me I'm going to take some, I'm going to take my medication. I'm going to get this shit under wraps or help myself the best I can. But then you had said earlier with the jobs, people like you were just going through jobs because people weren't cool with you and what you're dealing with. So I guess I'm curious as to is that four years just about finding the balance between medication and functionality? Well, I got a different diagnosis. I wasn't on those same meds. I had to find uh, new stuff. Jesus, man. How hard is that? Like, are you bouncing between doctors to get that or? Yeah, I changed changed doctors because the other doctor was up at school. So I changed to a doctor in New York City. Okay. Yeah. And what? And, yeah, it just was new new meds because like as I went like along, tried this and then this was happening, tried that, tried this and this. I don't know. All it comes to a whole big cocktail of what I take and everything like that. How frustrating is that, dude? Because you just seem like you're someone who just like, what's the fucking answer? Let me move yeah. on, right? Like you just seem like that. You're like, dude, what's the fucking what? What what's correct? I'll do it. Let's roll. How are you coping? Coping just fine. No, well, through not not now. Clearly, you're coping fine now. But like through that process, (laughs) um, Um, it was it was well. I mean, it was frustrating because throughout that process, I also kept getting jobs and losing jobs. So it was kind of like, well, what's going on? What's really the best thing to do? And what do I need? Everything like that. How do I handle changes working and ultimately found out working for myself was the best because I just couldn't work for other people. How was it? I, I should say, because again, I'm, I'm getting a super, you ain't no bitch, ultra competitive. I'm a fucking win vibe from you which I love. <laughs> I want my daughter to have that vibe. I want my daughter to be like the fuck you. I got this shit. Um, vibe. Getting fired is an ultimate low for almost any professional or not having your freelance contract renewed. So I'm curious how you were able to balance that and not get back to the place where you want to physically harm yourself with like cutting and things like that. Um, or did it not even come up after a while? I just became numb, you know, it was like, I could just, I mean, one time I got fired and I found a job the very next day. Gotcha. So whatever. Because you just knew there were so many opportunities. You didn't see it as a loss or. No, it was, it was always very upsetting, but. I mean, it is what it is just, it's, it did suck, but learning all of that stuff from all those different places got me where I am right now. So right, it, it turned out well, but it was terrible when it was happening. And, but were you thinking like big picture like that at the moment? Were you thinking these are all steps or was it just, 
anchors, quicksand type shit where you're like, fuck, man, another one. After a while, it was just like, oh, another one, oh, another one, oh, another one. One time, it was like every two weeks, I had a new job. I saw my friends. I kept meeting with them for like uh, wings at a bar. And every time I met up with them, I was like, oh, I got a new job. They're like, you say that every time we see you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but check out my ID cards. Now, <laughs> <laughs> dude, and again, the the thing I like about your story that I'm hearing is I'm not, I've never been in a position to be an ultra competitor like you have. I would classify if you can go to fucking D3 and you're all conference, like you're pretty kick ass. And it's very hard for the people that I've known who are kick ass like that to deal with defeat because what's their initial reaction? Fight harder, train harder, go harder. And that's why I'm so curious because you've come to almost like this Zen-like state of accepting what is will be. And it's super interesting, man. Like it's really nice that you found peace with it and you found something that you fucking love to do apparently, which is yeah. have your own brand. Is that weird? Is Am I like glorifying or romanticizing it in some weird way? I see a curious look in your eyes. I'm just thinking, I mean, I, I think you just have to make peace with the, 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 what you're given and make the best of it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like I got a whole bunch of sales today and I'm very, very happy. So it, you know, things could be, things could be worse. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to assume based on the introduction and your, uh, so before I start recording, I always ask guests, I'm like, Hey man, do you have any questions? And you're like, no, let's get started. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to assume based on that and your blase that do you have, I shouldn't assume, but I will assume you have no idea how the podcasts end. No. Fan-fucking-tastic. All right. Michelle. Yes. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. What? No, don't be that person. For last? I don't know if it's my Delaware accent. And you don't have to feel rushed. So I end the pod because it's the getting to know you pod. Best first experience, first time you did whatever, for last because I enjoy alliteration challenges while I'm a couple red wine glasses deep to see if my tongue will slur. So let's end the pod with a really cool first experience that you had as the last thing people who listen We'll get to know about you. The last first experience I had. The best first experience you've had. The best first experience I had. For the last thing on the pod. 
Okay. Now you made me feel all awkward. Like I really thought that shit's clever. I've been trying to use it, trying to monetize it. Maybe that's why that shit ain't taking off because it ain't as good as I thought. But I thought it was pretty clever. Best first for last. Like. Oh my. My my best first thing that I. First First experience. Yeah. A really cool first time you did something. If people could see your face and your thinking face, oh my goodness. <laughs> I didn't even. Okay, well, I, I, I ran up the Empire State Building. I did a race. Oh, no. That's like a thing in New York? Yeah. Oh, again. I'm... <laughs> that's one of those instances where you're like, yeah, dumbass. <laughs> I mean, that was a great experience that I was cool. I I actually kind of hated it, but it was awesome to do. Dude, yeah. And dude, I'm not like, um, don't rush through it. I'd love to get to know about that. Um, Running up the Empire State Building for the first time. Take me there, man. What's that race like? Are you throwing elbows? Like competitors coming back in you? You're tripping, bitches? No, they, um, well, they stagger everyone by 30 seconds or so. Okay. Or like 15 seconds. So I go and, you know, I was told, pace yourself. So I'm pacing myself. And these three guys breeze by me. I go up another five floors. Were they gay? I feel like they were gay. I feel like they were. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was over talking you. I said I thought they were gay. (laughs) No, 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 no. I go up like five more, five more floors. And those three guys that breeze past me were vomiting on the floor. I was like, you fucking idiots. Had <laughs> to run. Everybody knows you don't run. I was just going slow. I was just, I was like holding like the handrail, just dragging myself up going, just the next water station. Just the next water station. I hate this. Why did I sign up for this? Oh my God. Next water station. Okay. 20 more floors to the next water station. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Why did I sign up for this? I hate this. I hate this. It's that taxing? Just 20 floods. But between 20 every 20 every 20 to like 86 flights we did? Yeah. Like super it was awful. It was awful. It was, it, was, it was terrible. But it was like really cool. I tell people that I did it and I'm like, wow. I'm like, yeah, that's great. It was all just terrible. Did you meddle? Everybody meddles. Oh, so it's particip- participation. There's a part. There's a well. There's a finisher. You must finish. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. A finisher yeah. medal. Yes. So that makes you feel better than being called a participant. Yes. <laughs> they don't do like top I mean, three age groups or anything like that. I don't know. I I'm not sure if there was people actually. There might. I think there was people who were doing it actually to be timed competitively and they went before but everybody else was just staggered got you and what made you do it well i worked for the company that put on the marathon they also put that on and i heard it's a really hard race to get into and my buddy that's next to me said do it do it do it and i was like okay fine i'll do it and i 
it's really hard to get into, but I could get into it. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. Gotcha. And it's so hard to get into. Why? Because it's in the Empire State Building. You can't have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, you know? Gotcha. It's a lottery system. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. No idea. And how many, Um, what was like the mileage or the amount of stairs? 86 floors? That sounds I think small. We went up 86 floors and it took me 22 minutes and 50 seconds. An intern, one of our interns did it in 14 minutes. Holy shit. Yeah. So he was clearly, or that person was clearly trying to a lot get a of job. That, like, a lot of the interns that worked there were like runners and stuff like that. Like that- we had one intern that went to Syracuse and he ended up winning like a, like the NCAAs and something in cross country. Right. Well, I mean, if you're yeah. working for a marathon company, you would assume a lot of those people. Yeah. One, one guy that, another guy that worked there, he ran six miles every single day and he'd been doing it for about 25 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's very hard to impress someone like you, but I mean, I do run about three, four miles a day myself. Just saying. That, that's pretty impressive. Just saying. Yeah, but it's country roads. You know, I'm just ducking deer and snakes. I'm not going to Central Park. That's great. <laughs> um, did you hit a quit moment? As you were going up the Empire State Building, or you knew you were going to fucking finish? No, no, I didn't hit a quit moment. I mean, at the top, my, my buddy that worked there, Sean, he didn't run it, obviously. He was hanging with his arm up to pound, like a pound sign, and I could barely lift my arm, and I was like, eh. <laughs> Dude, barely lift your arm? Stop. Why? Why would you it, be able to barely lift your arm? 86 flights. Can That's you imagine walking legs. Up the That's legs. What are you doing with your arms? That's legs. No, no, but you're grabbing, your arms are grabbing you. Come on. You're Michelle. walking up a staircase at a fast pace for 22 minutes. Yeah, I feel like I would slaughter you. I got to be honest. I feel... I'm only 5'4", and I do not have long legs. I'm, like some tall men. That puts you at an advantage. Skipping, they were skipping steps. Yeah. I can't skip a step. No doubt. So you have an advantage. You use your powerful legs. Dude. It's not, it's not easy. <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. What I'm saying is I'm a little curious about arm fatigue running upstairs. That's all I'm saying. My whole body was exhausted. <laughs> Would you do it again? No. No? Why not? Because the entire time I was doing it, I said, I hate Leaf. Why did he tell me to sign up? <laughs> it's like, this is the worst decision I've ever made. Why would I ever sign up for this? This is the worst idea I've ever had. Why did I sign up? This is all going through my head. And then I was like, now that I started, I have to finish. God damn it. Dang. There's that competitor. How -hmm. long? Dude, so I recently, fuck man, it might have been, what is today? Today is Sunday. Thursday night, I went for a jog. And I've the longest I've ever jogged is uh, 6.3 miles. Mm -hmm. So I get a half a mile in and I'm fucking feeling myself. And I'm like, bro, you're feeling good. Feeling good. And you know what I said to myself? I'm going to run half a marathon today. 
And I just fucking take off, dude. And I'm just like, yeah, man, let me just see if I can make this half marathon. I get six, seven miles in and I'm like, oh yeah, why people complain about this? And then that wall hits. And dude, I see my time just fucking drop and I feel like I'm running. I don't know if you felt this way, but you feel like you're running the same pace, like the exertion is the same. And I look down at my Garmin and I drop from like a 755 mile to like 930 a mile. And you're like basically crawling on these, you know, the highway for me. And um, I'm wondering, was there a wall? going up those stairs where you had to just be like, fuck it, bitch. You're in it. You're getting it. You're winning it. Kind of a thing. Like, was there a floor? Twenty floors, there was a water station. So I would say, just get to the next water station, drink, and then you got it. But yeah, people gave up in the middle. A lot of people gave up. They were at the water station just on the floor. Oh my God. And you stepped on them because you're such a competitor. You kicked no, them, didn't you? No, they were out of the way. <laughs> but also, it was in the dusty staircases. Right. The dusty staircase. It wasn't even, like, cleaned. <laughs> no ventilation? There's no ventilation. <laughs> You're breathing in this dusty air. Everybody's gone before you. They've already sweated up all the stairs. Slippery. That's a good point too. I didn't even think people about are that. Vomiting, you're passing people that are vomiting. Are I don't get the vomiting. I got to be honest. Like maybe I'm just a little bougie myself in my fitness. How are you throwing? Like why are you in that? If you're if there's a lottery system, how the fuck are you there and you're throwing up and it's a 25 at the most 30 minute race? Some people don't prepare well. They think, oh, I'll eat a big meal. Bitches. That's the worst thing you can do. 100%. Dumbass. Yeah. Or, or like those three guys, they thought, oh, we're going to run up these stairs. Yeah. <laughs> run up 86 flights, you idiots. <laughs> Just start running up 86 flights. Don't pace yourself at all, you idiots. <laughs> and then they're all... <laughs> so like, are there volunteers with like mops and buckets? To clean up this yeah, shit? Yeah, there's always volunteers. There's always volunteers, yeah. I cannot believe that many people puke on the... The smell must have been atrocious. I don't even know. No? I try I tried to be go towards the first, so I wouldn't have to witness it all. <laughs> I did not expect that, dude. That is kind of cool. Do you get... What's the swag that comes with running up the Empire State Building? Like a t-shirt, a long sleeve... Oh, damn, going for it. So, non-listeners, she left off camera because she is so proud of what she earned with her 2246 time. There's the finisher medal. Dangling. Fucking medal. That's it. Yes. No swag bag. I mean, I had a team for kids shirt or run for kids or whatever. Okay. I did have a shirt that they had had me wear. (laughs) 
I just know sometimes like, so 5Ks in Delaware, especially where I am, are um, very popular because it's very flat and very fast. So if you want to qualify for things, people from uh, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, it's a two hour drive. It's by the beach. You, We have marathons. Like it's an easy, easier qualifier. So if you run, you get all sorts of swag, you know, so people go to the races to get swag. And that's why I was curious what New York City swag was like. It was mostly, I mean, they had shirts and stuff. They did, there were, there was shirts, but I mean, I used to have one. Gotcha. There's, there, I have like a bazillion shirts from there. Cause I, I work at that company. Like there was all yeah, these right? left. Of, I had so many shirts. I had to throw, throw them away. Yeah. That's a good point. That's, that's a very it good point. It was like, why do you have so many? I'm like, I don't know. And then I would give them to people as gifts and they'd be like, well, now people are going to, I'm like, well, people think you're running the marathon now. I'm like, what? <laughs> Use it. Let, let them. <laughs> Use it. Get that social collateral. Um, it, Is there something, Michelle, that we have not covered about mental health, schizophrenia, anything else you wanted to put on the record before we wrap up? I think, I think we got it all. I feel like I made you, and I don't know if I made you. I feel like I did things that made you, fuck, I don't know a better word, feel awkward a couple times. Am I completely just self-conscious about that or did I and I need to get better? I'm looking for you to coach me up. No, I think you're good. I think everything's fine. Okay, man. Well, dude, I really appreciate your time. It was awesome getting to know you. Thank you for rescheduling and um taking shit man we almost hit three hours like it was to me it was a quick three hours dude it was just super enjoyable um if people want to get to know more about you get to more know more about your brand what should they check out uh just go to schizophrenic.nyc either the website or schizophrenic.nyc my instagram gotcha all right and if i send you a DM with my address. Do I get a free t-shirt? Maybe. God, maybe. What if I paid for shipping and handling? That could work. Bet. (laughs) Michelle, man, I really appreciate you coming on, being so open and, uh, again, letting everybody get to know you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank you. Have a good night, man. Good night. All right. Bye. Thanks to Michelle for taking the time to come on and speak about her journey through her diagnosis and the fact that she's fucking kicking ass with it, man. I mean, she really does make some cool gear. Be sure to check her out. Her link will be in the description. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the Getting to Know You pod. Go to AndrePsyche.com for some trippy merch that's worth checking out. If you have not already, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The word of the pod is intrusive. I loved how she used it. Intrusive is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it on yours and you will get a shout out on the very next podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. You can also go to our Patreon to support the Getting to Know You pod for as little as $2 a month if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on 
the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you need to do is message us. In a while, crocodile.